back in the yellow and black bonus edition of the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell. You heard our SummerSlam preview this week on the Pro Wrestling Pod. It was runneth over. There was performance enhancing audio leaking everywhere. But this is one of the biggest weeks in wrestling the entire calendar year. So we gave you the SummerSlam preview. We gave you the G1 final weekend look ahead. We gave you the chat with Drew McIntyre. But we got so much more audio, we had to put it in a separate show. It's all NXT TakeOver Toronto all the time on this edition. As we break down and preview Saturday's card, which is expected to once again peel the wallpaper off your uh, off your walls, basically. And we have interviews you're not going to want to miss with the two combatants in the main event, the trilogy match, the NXT Championship, Adam Cole, baby, and Johnny Gargano. Wow. Talking turkey. You know what I'm saying? Talking. Hold this for me, all right, turkey tips? Talking a lot of that stuff, all right? You're going to like this. It's going to make you feel good. Oh, yeah. All right, that's it. That's all I got for you. I got greatness. I got audio greatness for you. Let me bring in my co-host. Let's chop it up yellow and black style. Say hello to the bad guy. Yep. Uh, he's uh, he's wrestling royalty in these parts. He's the Silver King, and he will block your ass. His name is Adam Silverstein. Hey, now. You know, after watching NXT TV this week, BC, I started to come around a little bit. I'm going to FS1, maybe even going two hours, and potentially even going live head-to-head with AEW Revolution, which is what we're expecting the name of that show to be. Uh, Wednesday night show, not a lot of action, but it was – that's a go-home show. That's yeah, what you the, want at a go-home show for a major pay-per-view. They gave it to us. Whoever's handling the video packages for that show, uh, A+. Plus, a plus for, for f- kicking us right in the old stomp hole, touching them feels, getting us fired up, sprinkling in a little bit of here and there. I mean, that even that – you know, obviously we're, we're fired up about Cole Gargano 3, so you talk about like – backstage segments with Gargano chatting with Finn Balor and Seth Rollins about the process of this whole thing. And, and it's all in kayfabe, obviously, but it's just, it's brilliant, man. And, and they're intertwining with Adam Cole touring the country with the title. I mean, it, it's old school, man. They're, look, there's, there's, there's a lot of flavors out there in pro wrestling today. And by the way, shout out to the NWA and Billy Corgan for announcing a studio show, which we're already gluttonous. We don't have enough time for NJPW or AEW or 205 Live I never can watch. I'm never watching that, that Mae Young thing you're make, trying to make me watch either. There's just not enough time. But uh, UK, all that. But good good Lord, man, the, the flavor that Paul Levesque gives us. I, I, I need more. I can't get enough. I need more. I need it on regular TV. I need it to one day replace SmackDown. I, I don't want to diminish, because uh, you did say it quickly and then moved on. I don't want to diminish that NWA announcement, BC. Studio show, weekly, from Atlanta, Georgia, and their promo package that they put out on Twitter, Dave Lagana and Billy Corgan, uh, was like old school NWA shoot promos, and it gave you the feels. Like It, it made me think, I don't know who they're going to have. I don't know what the wrestling in ring product is going to look like, but it felt good. It felt like something I want to see and where you have MLW and you have impact and apparently they're doing really good things and you have CMLL and AAA in Mexico. And apparently 
those are great also. There's only so much time in a given week. I don't have time. I can't make time for these things. But I, I think I can make time for NWA. There's a little bit in me. I'm not the... I didn't grow up on it. It's something that I've watched after the fact, especially some of the stuff that is Southern wrestling related on WWE Network helped connect the dots for me. Um, but I really want to see it. I want to experience what that was like in these modern times. And I was amped up from that announcement. Well, yeah, I mean, I've been saying for a while that like as much as, you know, even AEW is almost following to a degree a WWE model from the idea or WCW model, if you will, from the idea of let's get a competing live show. Let's tour arenas doing so. In the beginning, I was like, you know, let's go back to the old school of the studio show. And, And to a degree, by the way. NXT's doing that every week. It's I know it's it's not the same thing, but it's still tiny arena. You get the intimacy, a lot of backstage vignette and stuff. But you know whether it was uh, WCW Saturday Night, Jim Crockett prom- promotions, all of that, just that old school feel of the tiny interview desk, the ring, and like three rows of fans. It just works. They got access to a couple decent names right now. NWA, I think they just pretty much got uh, Eli Drake away from Impact Wrestling. And if that's the case, that's at least a guy who can talk on the elite level and has the look. So if they can get a few more people to come over, if there's ways that deals work out, like we talked about on the regular wrestling edition, suddenly Dino, Ambrose, what the hell's his name now? Uh, Johnny B. Good, John Moxley is now trying to basically say that he can he can play the games in the G1 and in the Wrestle Kingdom, Adam. So, hey, you know, I want to believe. I want to believe this is possible. You know who I'd like to see in NWA? Robert Roode. Yes. Yes, I would. I w- I'd like to see NWA and AEW and NJPW all join forces and actually make like a super league to counter it. But, hey, I'm well, going to take this for what it is. Let's not forget when we were talking about initially AEW kind of coming into – the stratosphere before AEW existed. After All In, we said, hey, what should these guys do? My legitimate idea was they should team up with NWA and restart the NWA promotion with the elite. That was my idea. Uh, Obviously, that's not what's happening. But even back then, I thought there's, I mean, Billy Corgan did something very right here. He said, there is value in this brand name. Wrestling fans care about it. And if I can treat it with kid gloves, I can put something together. It may not be massively profitable, but it's something he's a huge wrestling fan, old school wrestling fan. I can create a product that I think people of my ilk will enjoy. And I think we're on the precipice of seeing it. I'm really excited to see where they go. By his ilk, do you mean washed rock stars or do you just mean people like in a certain age bracket? Uh, you know, I don't know. How far is he from you? How far? How far? Uh, age much wise older, are you much older. I was actually never a uh, never a Pumpkins fan. I actually he. To be really honest with you, during during nineties prime grunge alternative rock, me being in high school, I love Pearl Jam, love all this stuff. Just never liked them and and he was the reason, to be honest. I've I've grown to like really like him as a dude. Interviewed him before. Love his wrestling mind. Never big never big fan of that music though. Not a Smashing Pumpkins fan either. Did you know though, Smashing Pumpkins, the name of the band, is not about physically breaking pumpkins. It's smashing as an adjective. Like amazing. Smashing women? Like, no, like smashing. Like, great. Like the British, like, adjective. Oh, that may make it worse, Silver King. That I know. I just, it I, it's a random fact that Silver King learned. Okay, BC, time to move on to NXT, take over Toronto, and straight off the block with it, Eagle Street to be specific. Let's go and talk about this NXT breakout tournament final. We're expecting it to be on the card. I'm not 
seeing it official anywhere, although that was the original announcement. We have Cameron Grimes, the former Trevor Lee, trained by the Hardy Boys in North Carolina, against Jordan Miles, the former ACH, Albert Hardy Jr., also temporarily known, on NXT. You know, I know you're not totally involved in this breakout tournament. Your time is even more limited than mine is, BC, but these guys have been exceedingly impressive. To me, they are the complete right men to be in this tournament final. You could have made a case for Swerve to put him in there, but I think they made up for that by giving him that shot on 205 Live in the main event in, in a match that stole the week, I think, for me. That, that's how good that was. I don't necessarily know who I think is going to come out on top here. Instinct tells me it should be Jordan Miles. He's a guy who has all of the charisma in the world as a face. It could really give him a nice boost and, and jumpstart him in NXT, where a guy like Cameron Grimes as a heel can always take losses and doesn't need to win a tournament of this magnitude. But both guys have been impressive to me, and honestly, I am excited to see this final. This tournament has been really smart, something that NXT has done. It got a class of, actually two classes, of a lot of talented younger dudes, and they were like, well, we don't have anything to do with them right now, so let's figure out something to do with them, and they created the tournament. It's exactly what WWE should be doing on its television, King of the Ring style or whatever the case, to get a lot of the, for number one contenderships, to get a lot of these wrestlers not being used in front of the camera. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely a fan of that. It's it's just tough because it's so so deep in the you have to be really hardcore to have seen it. And, and it's like this is part of why I wish NXT could have a TV spot so that it was treated closer to being the same level of Raw and SmackDown because I would choose NXT every week over Raw or SmackDown, or watch one of the two, or whatever I had time for, and I wish I had the time to invest in this. I saw DJ Z was in this tournament as well, under his new gimmick, well, yep. Joaquin something, but... Uh, Wild, yeah. Yeah. The, great the names I- are not great. I think Cameron Grimes is the best name of all the changes, because he's grimy, and he's from Cameron, North Carolina, so okay, that works. Everyone else is kind of just like, man, their indie names were way better. Yeah. Like, and the, even the- Elite was a good name. For Cameron Grimes, but at least that one works. And hey, everybody, get ready for when Vince changes your name one more time and you're like uh, Armando Viking is probably where you're going to end up as. Uh, Yeah, so I'm looking forward to I hope this match ends up on the card. I want to kind of get a feel of of, uh, what their plans were coming out of this tournament. Uh, With with putting something at stake in that final there, I'm sure that match will be. Look, it's just, again, it's 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 the foundation that Trips has built here in NXT where it's... Like, really, tell tell me, like, this is what I want to figure out. We've been able to get access through our, our jobs here, interviewing guys, going to live events. I've been backstage at WWE proper a few times and seen some really incredible th- things, seen how the sausage was made to a certain degree. But we don't know all of it. It's a protected field and lifestyle. So we don't know everything. One thing I would want to know is this, Adam, about WWE, okay? Especially about WWE main roster. Like, let's say it's a regular... Well, it's SummerSlam this week. Let's use SummerSlam as an example. You know how G1, what we love about this tournament, is every match they're trying to get five stars. They really are. Every match they're trying to figure out what's the best match we can get out between the two of us. They know there's a finish involved that's going to play in the overall larger storyline of who's going to win that, but they're going for it. And part of what we really love about NXT is especially these takeover cards... It doesn't matter who's on it, Adam. It doesn't matter if we consider them having a dip in star power at the moment or not. The setup is there where people are allowed to try to have the match of their life. 
They're allowed to try to go out there and shoot for seven stars like Cole and Gargano have been able to do. It's so it, it's telling you something. It's telling you that the talent across the board in pro wrestling right now in 2019 is insane. It's telling you that the structure NXT has with the the bookers and the and the the road agents and the producers who who put these matches and, and storylines together uh, are really smart and are putting it forth to allow these guys to put their best foot forward. But on the flip side, when you're talking about regular WWE, Adam, and let's say it wasn't SummerSlam this weekend. Let's say it was Fastlane or whatever. We wouldn't expect, if there's 10 matches on the card, that seven of them would be four and a quarter, four and a half stars and above, right? We'd expect we're going to get a you know couple four stars, maybe one that pushes higher. Everything else will probably be around three, three and a half good. Why is that? Because... We know the talent on the main roster is fantastic, but it makes me want to know in terms of how the sausage is made. Is there expectations backstage that if you're in a lower carded match that you don't shoot for the stars, that you don't go for it? Is that known? Because you could argue that you don't want the guy in the second match having the match of the night. You could argue that you want some type of build and flow that leads to the main event being the best moment of the night. Now, it's easier to do an NXT when there's five matches, by the way, because it doesn't. No, you can't really overshadow another. But it, when there's 10, 12 matches on the card, I get that it's different. But what is your take after this long diatribe, Adam? Is there a known sort of, if you're not in the main event or the featured mid-card bout, don't try it. Don't try to be at your best. Well, I do think you're supposed to let it build, you know, from, from start to finish. Even NGPW... They allow their guys to go out and have great matches, but it's very rare that you see the second match on a G1 be five stars, you know, and then the last match be four stars. So there's usually a, hey, we're going to put the best possible matches where we have the best planning and the best work rate to go on last. With WWE, the issue, it's a couple issues. One, there's so many matches that even if you have one that steals the show or, or had the potential to, it doesn't get enough time because to have a legitimate match that's over four stars so 4.5 or, or better is what i'm talking about you need time you need that's 18 20 25 minutes and when you get 12 13 minutes you just never you're not able to tell the story or even have the level of action or false finishes even to get you to that level that you need to be that's number one number two wwe's main eventers right now aren't the best wrestlers on the card like you i love seth rollins you know you do too when he's at his peak but and and we love Brock Lesnar also but you're not going to get a five-star match out of those two you're just not now maybe in a, in a Lesnar AJ Styles situation you might because we've seen what's happened at Survivor Series with those guys with Daniel Bryan as well but when when Lesnar's the champion and he's defending the title you don't get that kind of match out of him I think a Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton can give us... But you could, though. So I just want to stop you there and say this. Is it because it's ingrained in no, their heads no. that WWE does pro-style? Especially someone like Lesnar. He's doing pro-wrestling, pro-WWE pro-style matches, which is a lot of kick-punch, kick-punch, using aggression, using intimidation. But it's not that we. It's not like we haven't seen guys his size attempt to do indie-style matches. Like, he's not doing NXT-style. If he did with Rollins, I bet you they could do... A freaking amazing match, given the knowledge and athleticism. Vince doesn't book Lesnar to be a work-rate wrestler. He books him to be a monster and a beast. So he does German suplexes, slams, and F5s. And he uses weapons. That's Brock Lesnar. So unless you're in a scenario where you're going to let him have this match, and honestly, 
I think the only times we've seen it have been in, at Survivor Series when the title's not on the line. Any other scenario where the title is on the line, they do not allow him to wrestle, which we know he is capable of doing. So that, I think, is your biggest issue at the start. And then when you have, when Lesnar's not on the card, and you have, like, a Roman Reigns in there, it's not that Roman's not good. We know he can put on good, entertaining matches, but he's not going to do it from a work rate standpoint. So, so Reigns' ceiling is capped for me. Even The Rock, his ceiling was capped, right? He could have a great match and totally entertain you, but it's four, 4.5 stars, maybe, right? You're not going to get the Shawn Michaels or, or the AJ Styles or the Daniel Bryan work rate effort to entertain us who want that work rate wrestling to get there. So because of that, those types of matches are in the mid card and low card. And because of that, you're not having them go all out and attain the levels that they can because you don't want them to exceed the main event. That is the issue on both sides. Well, I, even hidden within your explanation, which was which was thorough and well well handled, um, I think it it plays to this idea that I spouted out a few episodes ago. That, and you can say the idea is crazy because WWE in 2019 is still your clubhouse leader financially by far, by brand recognition, by everything, attendance, everything. WWE's dominant for a reason, but they're the only organization you could argue right now, Adam. That isn't doing consistent high-level work rate matches purposely. Like you just mentioned, they've got the guys that can do it, and through the years, a Shawn Michaels could do it. I mean, AJ Roman Reigns did it when he was working with AJ Styles. They put on this is the best roster in WWE history. So it's but, almost still I can say this and believe this that WWE main roster proper is the only bookers and and producers that haven't evolved to true 2019 standards because it's no longer. The indie style. I mean, I say that because you'll know what I mean. It's right. pro wrestling style in 2019. Maybe Japan does it a little bit differently because they focus more on physicality and near paralyzation to get the matches over than they do uh, spot fest, spot fest. But it's it's the same thing as a 205 Live spot fest thing. It's about work rate. And I'm not here to tell you WWE doesn't care about work rate because they've obviously evolved to a certain level. But is there that stubborn refusal in Vince Adam to, to not let it get to where even NXT has gotten where you know Cole and Gargano who by the way aren't the two top athletes in the game but yet we're fully trusting that they're going to go out there and combine all the elements that make up a great match and at worst at absolute worst give us four and three quarter stars on Saturday night I, I, I don't think it's Vince doing anything on purpose I think it's a 73 year old man saying this is the wrestling that we produce and this is the wrestling that I direct and am in the lead booker of. I'm, I'm in charge of. Um, let's not forget that WWE, over the last couple years, despite what you're saying being the, the truth the vast majority of time, we've gotten some great main roster matches recently. And I mentioned the Lesnar matches. You know, we've had Daniel Bryan in matches that have been pretty incredible. The Kofi matches were very good. Not otherworldly, you know, necessarily. The Ricochet-AJ Styles matches recently have been very good. The tag team matches on the last two pay-per-views have been borderline great. Uh, so I don't think we should lump everything together to say WWE is not letting this happen. The problem is where we look at AEW and we look at NJPW primarily and we say, hey, their five, six best wrestlers are the ones putting on this, these matches. For WWE, it's guys not at the top of their car doing it. It's, it's, well, the it's just, me there is, it is goes, 
Back to my original point, though, that NXT can take almost anybody. Like, they can take these two guys from this breakout tournament. Take the Tyler Breeze. And, and they can have a ridiculously good match. They've proven this over and over again on TakeOvers that they can take almost anybody. They can take large dudes like the War Raider Vikings, and they can do ridiculous matches. So even though you're right, it's not that as if WWE hasn't put out great high-level work rate matches in recent years. The Cena-Styles feud jumps right out at you. Yes. But, Adam... Would you argue that high-level work rate WWE main roster style is still too commercialized and microwave and predictable in the end? We love Seth Rollins. We know Seth Rollins can do a million moves, but Seth Rollins has this predictable sequence and set that he does that we've picked up on, and now we don't hold in such high estimation where what makes an insanely great NXT or... Super Indie or NJPW match because there's always some sort of unknown in there that's added on. The next level sprinkle there. I think even the best of what WWE could give us in recent years, a five-star AJ and Cena, whether you like the Royal Rumble or the SummerSlam one better a couple years back, even those, there was a little bit of unpredictability at the end where they took their regular moves and they sort of next leveled them by doing them off the second rope. But still, it was in the framework of a very well-polished and practiced type of match where I just get the feel from the others that it's a little more dangerous, a little more wild, a little more in the kit. And the comparison is this WWE is, if you like music, a very well produced studio album that layers every guitar and, and, you know, make sure everything to perfection where everyone else is sort of doing the live jam band style, where through improvisation, anything can happen anytime it comes down to what you love. That's just what I love. No, that's fair. That That is a very uh, reasoned and sober, as you like to say, take on it. I think the difference that needs to be noted is that's what WWE is and has been historically. So they're not just going to up and change completely. Like the the finish sequences of, is what you're talking about, really, where you have John Cena do the you can't see me and then either he hits it or he doesn't. But then he gets the guy down anyway with a shoulder tackle and then he hits it. And then maybe he doesn't get um the AA right away, but then he eventually does, or he catches him off the top rope and does it. You always know it's going to eventually come and he's going to win. But that just goes back to WWE as a whole being extremely predictable. And as I've said on this podcast many times, predictable isn't necessarily bad, but it can be when you're talking about something like match quality. For example, Ricochet, right? And this happened even in NXT. So I'm not really criticizing WWE for this, but the start of every single Ricochet match you know what's going to happen. He's going to do that backhand stand into the ropes, come back, hurricanrana, pose in the middle of the ring. It happens. Same every, thing, Alistair Black. They when they were teaming up, they were doing it ad nauseum every single time. And I don't hate it because it's athletic, but it's like you know what would be cool? One pay per view match where he doesn't do that. Maybe he does it fifteen minutes in as opposed to minute two. Like so, there is a lot of that formulaicness. Um, in WWE, that NXT, which is, we'll circle back to what we're talking about here, does not have. I think that is one of the reasons why we love it so much is the truth is, even though there are some takeovers, and I think TakeOver New Orleans was the one where I, or maybe TakeOver Brooklyn it was, whichever, where I just, not not that it's anything special, but I predicted every single match, the finishes, it was pretty much a no-brainer to me, right? I don't mind that. I had no idea how those matches were going to work. I could never have told you, for example, that Champa was going to retain a title by being pushed off a ledge and having his arm, you know, uh, what, what's that, handcuffed to Brilliant. like a pipe 
and being stuck there dangling, and that's how he won a last man standing match. That's what makes NXT so great is you may know who's going to win, but you don't know how they're going to get there. And even this upcoming uh, pay-per-view, the NXT TakeOver Toronto, I think there's some matches where you have a pretty good inkling of the way they're going to go. And some people feel like the build to it has not been great because of that. Mia Yim, Shayna Baszler being an example. But at the same time, I don't know what's going to happen in that match. What I trust NXT to the level where I'm like, you know what? They could have Mia Yim win. Whereas if this match was in WWE, I would say there is no way Mia Yim is winning. You just nailed the word. The word is trust. Not yeah. to, We don't have to belabor the same word. We can get into the preview, but the word is trust. We all trust Trips. We all trust Gato, even Tom Foote. Tom Foote trusts Gato now. <laughs> we, uh, we trust whoever else they got in the other companies. Do we trust Vince? We I, don't ha- trust Tony- I don't trust Tony Khan yet. That's true. That is true. And we don't, tr- you know, because we never know who's actually making the call in WWE. That's part of it. It's part of it. It's a wild west there behind. I got, I got a DM from a listener who will not be named. Okay. And I, no, I no, no. There's no, there's no anonymous I, takes no, in, he, this, in he, this game. He all right? says he has info. I'm, I'm, he's been right before. Uh, but I don't know whether he's right or not. But what he Put told your name me, on it. That's what Herm Edwards would say. Put he, your name on it. What he told it. me is that despite us all being told that Heyman is the lead booker of Raw and that Bischoff, while he may not be doing creative, is in charge of many things on SmackDown, both shows have been 100% Vince. So this is At, so you're saying this is completely a stockholder. That's what thing. this person is saying. And he said that Bruce Pritchard is the one who booked the Roman Reigns multiple angles with the attacks. On All right, that, that's great, because that was good overall, despite them kicking me right in the Buddy Murphy. But, uh, yeah, man, remember when – I don't know if you remember this. It was like 2016. Vince had a, a weightlifting accident. He, like, dropped yeah. something on himself and got hurt, had to go to the hospital. And they rushed out a press release meant 100% to calm any fears of stockholders to not trade all the stock and drop the price. Like that's, it's crazy. It's crazy how much we obviously know that money dictates everything and all of business. Of course it does, but it's interesting how much some of these decisions are made only for public purposes. It's Vince who tore both of his quads uh, in a single like segment at a pay-per-view, right? Like one going to the ring, one coming back. Or something like that, right? Yeah, Royal Rumble, right? Right at the end? <laughs> guy's a maniac, man. Yeah, right? That was the botched finish, right? That was... Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Like, the, guy, the guy's a maniac. And, like, does he hates people sneezing. Because, not, not because he's worried about germs, but because he doesn't like that people can't control their own bodies. Yeah, it's a sign of weakness, this guy. It's yeah. a sign of weakness. Okay. Uh, not a sign of weakness. NXT TakeOver Toronto, BC. We have a five-match card. It will be six if they do the breakout match I mentioned earlier. I just, for some reason... Can't find whether that's confirmed. Uh, the first, this is, I believe, and again, I, I could definitely be wrong. I believe this, this is either the first or a rare women's singles match at a takeover, not for a title. We'll start here. Candice LeRae, the wife of Johnny Gargano, against leather pants, all black heel, Io Shirai. BC. Io Shirai is winning this match, right? Uh, but, winning our hearts, or yeah. or or uh, where are we going? I just rewatched just before we we did this. I, I I skimmed Wednesday night's episode, and and I, they gave us that full video package of how we got here, where oh, we're yeah. going, and to see that full arc and revel, re, 
erection. No, that'd be the, well, it'd be the right word. It'd be the wrong time. But to see the full evolution, if you will, of her character and nearly winning the title. This is Shirai nearly winning the title from Baszler in that great steel cage match and how perfect, perfectly she handled that heel turn. And then we didn't, we never knew she'd come back with, with a badass gimmick that I, I feel like will define her now. I feel like for, for anyone that knew about Shirai coming in and was like, oh my God, get ready guys. This is going to, they're going to, she's going to blow your mind. And right away she did because of her work rate, her athleticism, but she didn't have a character we could connect to. Now she does. Like, there's nothing stopping her from true stardom. She has it. She, there's things out there that are it. She has it. Where are you, Jericho? I need you. On the soundboard. It. Yes. What does she have, Jericho? It. Okay, thank you. What do I have, Christian? You don't have it. Okay, but Shirai does. And Candice LeRae's great because she's Johnny's wife. And she's female Johnny. She's so lovable in a white meat baby face way. She... It's just like the female version. She can work. She can sell it with facial expressions. She's the perfect foil, and now she has her perfect villain. So I love that they went to this as a non-title singles match, as a grudge war, because it'll work. It'll work perfectly. But in the end, I have to, I need to, I want to. We need Io Shirai to win, and we need her, Adam, to go from here right into a title feud. And I don't care about the, well, one's a heel, one's a face. Does Baszler have to lose in this match? We'll get to it in a second. I don't even care. Shirai has to become their new female star and get a Asuka-like push. Doesn't mean two years of unbeaten, but an Asuka-like push that, like, we're going to build around her for a while. Yeah, no, you, you totally nailed it. Stardom pun, I'm sure, was not atten- intended by you. Uh, the thing with Shirai... And honestly, I, I say it, I want to go back to the Kabuki Warriors as well, Asuka and Kairi Sane, because I actually ended up watching some old school Asuka NXT promos this week, like suited Asuka, my favorite Asuka, your favorite Asuka, everyone's favorite Asuka. WWE probably has, and I'm probably missing maybe one person here or two people. They, they have like 10 of the 15 best women's wrestlers in the world. Three of them are Japanese. Two of them don't get used at all. And it is legitimately, it's extremely bothersome and it actually angers me because we know how great Asuka can be. Do you remember, BC? And we'll get to, I'll get to EO in a second. Do you remember when Becky Lynch got hurt, was unable to face Ronda Rousey at Survivor Series? She had to choose a replacement in the ring on SmackDown and she was going down the order of SmackDown women. She started with like, well, she didn't start with, but she, whoever was first, like Mandy Rose, then there was Charlotte. Naomi, you know, fire and desire, whatever, all the way. They get to Charlotte, they boo. She walks in front of Asuka, uh, uh, setting up a potential Asuka-Ronda Rousey match. The crowd lost its freaking mind because the WWE Universe knows just as well as we do that Asuka is special, okay? And I just wanted to bring that back up because it... Yeah, she's the greatest female wrestler of all time. Um, After after a conversation yesterday, it just bothered me that, like, I didn't even feel like I got to praise Asuka as much yes, as I want. Praise her, please. Asuka, I know your English is not great. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, Alexa. She's perfect. You know what? Give us that feud now and let the Kabuki Warriors win the titles eventually. Anyway, the, the okay, Kabuki back. Workers just scream. We don't know what to do with these two Asian women. We don't realize yeah. how great they are in the ring. So let's team them up and put them in 
bra and weird lingerie. Kyrie could be her normal gimmick. Oscar could be a massive heel, maybe the best heel woman on the WWE roster, even better than Charlotte. They just refuse to do it. Okay. Anyway, uh, Io Shirai absolutely positively has to win this match. I do totally agree with you. There is a real lacking depth of women's and tag team wrestlers right now in NXT. They have taken so many out that they haven't replenished um, the funds, I guess is the best way to put it. So the only thing that you can do after already losing to Baszler on two occasions is have Shirai go back against Baszler in this new heel edgy role. I don't even care if you make Baszler a face in the match because she gets her ass kicked a couple weeks on NXT TV. I don't care. What I ultimately want to see is Io Shirai with the NXT Women's Championship, and I think this match is a speed bump to get there. Love it. Love it so much. Um, it, and, it, and it wouldn't seem to make sense for Candice to win here because I just said it. Candice, Candice is the female Johnny, which means when she eventually wins the NXT Women's Championship, it's got to be well-planned and well-built right. and, and to come back from so much. This is sort of just a feeler out, and she's kind of the perfect foil here opposite Shirai. So let's see what we got. To be honest, I wouldn't mind Shirai winning relatively easily, maybe like 10 minutes, and build Candice up to beat her at NXT TakeOver Tampa, WrestleMania 36 weekend. Like, you have that time, so have this be the first match and then eventually go there, have Larray get the big you know title and boost the Shirai up and make a women's trio title. So you and then after Candice loses, Warriors. how about after Candice loses, right? She goes, yeah. Johnny's warming up for his main event match. She goes into Johnny's locker room to kind of wish him well, but she's just so down and out about getting dominated and squashed and losing, and he's hugging her, but he's like, you know, honey, I got to get ready for this match. I mean, I can, I can win the NXT championship back. She's like, yeah, you know, I know I'm being a uh, Debbie Downer here, you know, whatever. But as she turns to leave, Something catches her eye in Johnny's locker. She turns back around. Leather pants hanging <laughs> from Johnny's locker. All you want are wedge driving and cheating storylines. Now like, we got business, okay? Like, now we are doing some stuff there. Yes. You want you want husbands and wives to be unfaithful to one another, which, listen, may be a whole set of issues we need to talk about on a different podcast. CC, uh, let's continue with the women's division. NXT Women's Championship, Shayna Baszler against Mia Yim. And I think it is fair to say that this match uh, maybe not has has had the worst build on the card, but I'm the least excited for it. I just personally don't take Mia Yim as a legitimate NXT Championship contender. You nailed it. You nailed it right there. Never drew a dime. Um, yeah, doesn't do it. Doesn't move the mountains. Uh, there's a place for her. It's not in the title picture. She should not win here. Unless it is one million percent to be a quick transition to Io Shirai, as if they go, you know what, we got something here with with leather pants, okay? Let's do it now. Let's do it tonight. Let's do a WrestleMania nine style, okay? Where Hogan comes back with a busted eye from that boating accident and he wins back the title. Um, Baszler's been great. She really has two reigns here. I'm surprised she's been the champion this long overall. Um, this is not the right person to do it. I mean, Candice would be the right person to go over Shayna after, you know, because Shayna's that type of heel. I don't know right. how we're going to get here to Shirai to be a star on top of the division, but you got to predict Baszler here. It doesn't make sense where Mia would win. Yeah, I agree. And we still don't forget, we do have Bianca Belair in the wings somewhere and Casey Cantonazaro. I think they're going to. Oh, she's get... not on that level, though. No, 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 but I think she's maybe next to get into the scene a little bit, but they are lacking from in the women's division overall. Not just even from a well, they got those other two other two chicks, uh, Vanessa Bourne and uh, what's the other one? Yeah, they've been there like a decade. Aaliyah. 
Zaya uh, Lee is cool. Zaya, yeah, 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 fantastic. Chinese uh, woman, she's really cool. Um, but they're just lacking overall, I think, from having developed women superstars. Uh, Baszler's been great. The question is, how much longer are she, Marina Shafir, and Jessamyn Duke gonna be there? Uh, does Rousey come back, whether at SummerSlam or at some point? Maybe she's not pregnant yet, and and this has been a break. And I, I don't know. Maybe they do run the four horsewomen. Angle at Survivor Series. Who knows? That Maybe is. She threatens possible. to kick Travis Brown in the Vagine. Maybe. Yeah, and throws like has uh, killer tables with Devon Dudley. She's bored, man. Rousey's bored. She's also cringe and lame. This is uh, you don't need to. She, she, I need less Rousey in my life right now, unless she's coming back for something hot right now. Okay. But you do miss her on the main roster, though. I do not miss her on the main roster. What? I would accept her star power and big match ability if handled correctly. Like I almost. I'm a little bit heartbroken, Adam, that we had to uh, hot shot all of those one-offs she had with so many people because she wasn't sure if she's going to be doing this again or or what the situation was. And, uh, you know, I'll give her that if that was all she wanted. Each match was enjoyable. But, man, I, even if she was just coming back once a year, one program a year, imagine what we could do every year with, you know, insert your name of the moment. Like, it'd be great. Let's not forget, she has a three-year deal with them. She's coming back at some point. Maybe it may not be full time, full time, but I would say like a four to six month, you know, thing here and there over the next few years. I I don't think she's going anywhere. I think she's WWE semi long term, just as much as Lesnar is. I think she, I think her career now is going to be WWE. How long do we think Lesnar can do this part time? Just stay muscular, like to to fifty. What is he? He's about forty two. Yeah, forty three years old. He can close out his forties doing this definitely easily. All right. Yeah. He can do it. He, he doesn't he barely, hair eventually, he barely wrestles. I mean, <laughs> hey, I'm going to pay you, you know, $500,000 per pay-per-view or whatever he makes to, like, wrestle eight minutes. So and will he – <laughs> here's the thing. Will he end up in an Undertaker-style role, you think, where he is, like, lingering in only big presentations and big matches every year for a certain period? I think he may end up in a Bruno Sammartino role. Here's the thing we don't talk about enough. This is the wrong show for this, but I just want to plant this seed for a second. He may end up on the Rushmore when it's all said and done. No, he will not. Because we look at this as Cena's era, which Cena's era is ending, handing it off to Reigns. It's the Reigns era, and that's all true. <laughs> yeah. But Brock was more unique than both of them. Yeah, but he's an attraction. He's not a key guy. He's not the head of the company. He's not the, he's not the lead baby face. The, era, every, what era is defined by a heel? Unless maybe Ric Flair. Great point. Great. Ric maybe Flair's Ric Flair WCW run, yeah. Brock. WCW and WA, but, but like, but he would even switch to baby once in a while too. In that, but in WWE eras are defined by the babyface Hulk Hogan. Yeah, you no, know, so- you're right, and it's always been a babyface territory. Always has been. So that that does make a lot of sense. Absolutely, absolutely, actually. Maybe All that's right. why I love. Uh, maybe that's why I've always loved w- Jim Crocker Promotions, NWA, WCW, because it's always been a heel territory. I mean, NWO got, you know, pushed to the, to the, you know, it was flair on flair and the horseman on top, then NWO on top. That's, uh, that's better. I like that. I like that when the baby face is chasing all the time. You know, what's crazy is that flair seemed old in WCW, like going up against the, hor- uh, the NWO, et cetera. Well, he was old. Yeah. He was late forties then. Oh, okay. But he then went to WWE and had a full run. He had a run in WWE after WCW longer than many people have yes. career runs in WWE. Like, and he was a better, uh, career. It's a crazy. better in-ring performer in his fifties than than most guys have ever been. And that's like that's true. And there's some people that don't get Flair's 
wrestling ability through the years. I, I, Stack Guy Greg of the of the cheap beat. I've had many uh, arguments with him. Like Flair's one of the greatest in ring performers of all time, and he was still great in his fifties. It is it's ridiculous. Wait, does he? Th- I, I have to clarify this right now because I don't want to lose my mind here. Does he think Bret Hart is better than Ric Flair? Oh yeah, he thinks Bret Hart's the greatest wrestler of all time. We've we look, we've been up and down this road many times. I didn't times. know that. I didn't know. So I when Harley Race just died, I I sent uh, Greg a tweet right away because we had a famous debate of our of our top ten wrestlers of all time, and okay. he refused to put Flair in his top ten. He had Hart number one, and he had Harley Race number five, and we were like, what? And it's not that Harley Race isn't an all time great legend who just passed, by the way, and he was a hellacious. He was everything. He's everything you would have wanted the champion on, to be. Shame on us for not starting the show yesterday about that. A hundred percent. Love wow. me some Harley Race. Whether you only saw old Harley Race with WWF or you saw him earlier, but uh, Greg was like, "Yeah, he's number five. and uh, he refused to recognize Flair or Michaels, by the way, for that matter. But, but that's oh, fine. Man. People have opinions. That's fine. <laughs> there are some issues. Hey, I took a shot uh, on Twitter at least about my Matt Riddle opinion, so it's it's fine. But no, uh, obviously, you know, just because we did not talk about it, we might as well do it right now. Harley Race, I, I don't know if he's in my top 10, but he's in my top 20 all time. One of the greatest ever to do it, at least until this generation, if we're not counting Omega, Okada, all these new guys. Uh, second ever King of the Ring. First, ki- I know this is this pales into com- in comparison. Yeah, pales into comparison. I love that. He's an eight-time NWA world champion. You're like, well, what was the second King of the Ring? Yeah. This is how I know him, you know, as a WWE fan growing up in the, in the late 80s. Second ever King of the Ring, first to don the scepter and the crown. And if you want to blame anyone... For the King Booker and the King Sheamus and all that stuff, King Barrett that we ended up hating, it might be Harley Race because he's the one that demanded the crown and demanded the cape uh, and demanded the scepter and kind of got that gimmick really going. But you're right, eight-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion. uh, The rivalry with Flair, I ended up watching it. I I had never watched it before, but after he passed away and you wrote your story and I edited it, I was like, man, I should watch that. I found a lot of really long clips on YouTube. Pretty awesome, man. Great promo, and it's just like legit, legitimately an insanely tough shooter. And it had like the stories about his grip that people talk about. That like at any point in a match, if he wanted to, because of the strength of his forearms and his hands, he could just put you in a move, and you're and you're losing the match. You know what I mean? You're not going anywhere. You, you can't. Excuse me. <coughs> you can't pull a Montreal screw job on a guy like Harley Race. Is really where I'm going right there. And look, pull the gun on Hogan. He a hundred percent. Pulled the gun on Hogan in the mid-80s when Vince Jr. was going national and Harley was hanging on to that territory he had in Kansas City or whatever. He pulled a damn gun on Hogan, and I think he did a shoot interview in a wheelchair like a year ago in which they asked him, and he you know, he was like, look, I don't want to bring this back up. It causes a lot of stuff, blah, blah, blah. Oh, but he didn't deny it. The guy straight up was like, tell your boss, you guys are not coming back here again. By the way, we just went six degrees of Kevin Bacon from Shayna Baszler to Harley Race. So I think we deserve a little bit of praise for that, BC. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 
Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. All right, a couple more matches left on this NXT TakeOver Toronto card. Let's go to the tag team match. Street Profits, obviously Dawkins and Montez Ford against the Undisputed Era. The Era BC has, for the last like month or two, at least ever since the last TakeOver, been on this rant about they will all be draped in gold at the end of NXT TakeOver Toronto, and the entire faction is in title matches here. We've seen the Street Profits on Raw over the last, let's say, five, six weeks, cutting these promos backstage with their titles on, no action in the ring. Is this a full call-up for them? Are they dropping the titles here back to Undisputed Era, who would become three-time NXT Tag Team That's champion? really interesting because it does give you the tease that it's, that it's full call-up time, that they've said one thing, they're obviously going to do the opposite. And while we don't fully know Eric Bischoff's role with SmackDown, Good God with the Undisputed Era, which give us so many NWO feels, and we're going to get talk about that again with Adam Cole later in the show. If they got to be called up to SmackDown in a primetime feature heel role, um, just in time to go to Fox. I mean, look, that's the kind of group that gives you the old-time feels that you just get right away, instantly accessible. That's interesting. I was actually, right when you mentioned that, excited looking at the match. Go, wow, what if they do retain every win or retain every title here? And we close the show with the Undisputed Era as, like, the dudes all draped in gold, and we just continue their run as basically the horsemen of this territory. I don't know, because we do have some fears on the main roster, Adam, and that's that they're not Randy Orton-sized. To go back to Dave Shoemaker's great, you know, thing, it's like, well, let me see him stand against six foot three Randy Orton and tell me if they look like main eventers. Well, I'm the one that's been calling for them to get a big guy forever. Oh, like, for I, sure, and true. I don't think Jakovic should be on that in that faction. It's but crazy. you do have to be careful at who you feud him against. I mean, look, when Gargano and Champa went up for that cup of coffee on the main roster earlier this year, I was the one barking on the show, going, "I'm sorry, they can't just come out and beat Sheamus and Cesaro like it's expected. It's not expected. Look at that size difference. Unless you're doing small man style and you're working from underneath the whole damn time, it doesn't really work. So, I want these guys to stay here, Adam. I do. So this match is going to be great. I think it's time for Street Profits, who've been getting so much raw time lately, to move up. They have a gimmick that is much more main roster friendly. Let's put all the gold on the Undisputed Era. I'm here for that. Yeah, uh, to, to clarify, my the, the lead-in here was about the Profits getting called up, not Undisputed Era. just want to make that clear, because I'm with you. Uh, look, I, I didn't expect the Street Profits to ever win the titles in the first place. I actually had predicted, I believe... Undisputed Era to win these titles at the last takeover. So for me, having the Street Profits drop them here, it's a little bit bittersweet because I was happy they won them. They deserve that run with the NXT Tag Team Championships. The only problem is they didn't really do anything with them. They kind of defended them a couple times on TV, but not really. I think both matches ended in Schma's finishes or there was something strange that happened, at least in one of them, uh, if my memory serves. So ultimately, having the Undisputed Era, having... Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, who, by the way, were both great on the mic in that promo segment, as were the Street Profits on NXT TV this week. Having Undisputed Era get the titles back, in my opinion, is the right move. It allows for an easy transition. And as I've said before, as I just said, actually, a couple minutes ago on this podcast, there is a major tag team problem in NXT right now. They really need to build up a bunch of new competitive tag teams that are believable challengers for the title. They called up way too many of them to the WWE main roster um, way too quickly. So for me, I think Undisputed Era takes the titles here and BC. If we're going to transition into the next match, 
the North American Championship, Velveteen Dream defending against Roderick Strong and uh, what's his name? Pete, Pete Dunn. Dunn. Sorry, it slipped me really quick. I think Roderick Strong is going to win the title too. You got me believing, saying this. I mean, look, that's a great end of the show visual for all of those heels to do that. And, oh God, Roderick Strong's such a great worker, such a great underrated worker. This match would have stolen any any other takeover scar, like right away, because this is going to be an insanely great match. Obviously, this main event has us expecting almost impossible demands in terms of star ratings. This is going to be great, and if it it is time to push Dream to the NXT Championship level, then it would make sense for him for the belt to come off. It would also make sense for him to go straight to SmackDown on Fox, to be really honest with you, especially if you want to be smart WWE and elevate African-American competitors to the top level and not just have it be a great story when it happened to Kofi at WrestleMania and not just do it to try to even out levels, but do it for with and for guys, Ricochet being one of them. So I give him credit of late pushing the guys that need to be pushed street profits going to the main roster. So if it's time, and that's the weird thing about Velveteen dream and we harp on it all the time because he's so young yet so damn talented and ready now if they want him to be the face of NXT for another year and a half, it would work. Especially if they're going to FS1 and you're like, this is this is one of the guys we're building around. But, I mean, if you told me, Adam, you could see the future and he's in the intercontinental title match at Mania next year against, you know, Finn Balor, against anyone, I'm like, damn right, let's do it. Let's do it right now. Yeah, I believe it, but I think you have to have this guy go through the motions of being in the main event at NXT. And the only way you can do that is to take the North American title off him. It doesn't mean even that he has to go for it right away. I mean, let's not forget, this guy, there, there's a lot where, where they may be lacking in terms of tag teams and women. They are not lacking in terms of mid-carters and upper-carters in NXT right now. Yeah, we've seen Adam Cole, Bebe, and Johnny Gargano, you know, the last three takeovers here. But we have Champa who will be back in six to nine months further. We still have Matt Riddle, who at any time they can put in that main event feud. And Keith Lee is just waiting for an opportunity. And that's not to mention plenty of other guys that exist that can jump into this mid-card feud. You could even have Pete Dunne, if he loses this match, jump up to that main uh, event feud uh, level on NXT. So I think it's interesting. Roderick Strong, outside of filling in for Bobby Fish as tag team champion with Undisputed Era, has not yet had a title on in NXT. No, never was NXT champion despite having a couple great matches, uh, certainly never. I don't even think he's contended for the North American title, and if he has, it was forgettable for me. Uh, I think this is an opportunity for them to give Roderick Strong the NXT North American Championship. Even if Velveteen Dream got a little bit of a break, I'm not exactly sure, or if he turned heel, which is probably the better move, in my opinion. Um, I think you end him with this North American title. He's had it long enough. He's done well enough with it, but hasn't done anything great with it whereas Adam Cole when he had it actually it was he was the first champion obviously but he also elevated the title with dream it kind of just feels like it's stuck in neutral so I, I want someone with the title that is going to do something with it even if Roddy's a transition champion I think this title is beautiful by the way as well it's, it's yeah. our it's probably my second you know what my favorite title in wrestling is that really weird secondary title that the NWA just put out you know that it, it's red it's kind of looks like this one do you know what yeah. I'm talking about it's the uh it's not the NWA world house it's the junior one whatever uh Continental Americas. Or I don't know what it's called. Their version of the IC belt. It's awesome. That's the, my favorite title. The um, my favorite title is the NXT, or it's called the WWE UK Championship. It is stunning. 
And I still don't know why it's called WWE UK when the women's titles NXT, yeah. when the tag team titles over there are NXT. I asked Trips this on a conference call, and he just gave me a non-answer. Actually, I may have asked him face-to-face, nothing face-to-face, uh, when we were in yeah, New Orleans. Well, don't I don't disrespect remember you through the media waves, all right? Um, I, it was a legitimate question. The white icy title also still pops yeah. me. All right, that match is going to be great. Pete Dunne's going to just be a worker in this, and it's going to be fantastic, all right? So let's roll on. It's main I, event time, Adam. It is. And BC, what do you think we should do? I think we go to the audio before I we... I think smash- we do. And I think we start off with your NXT champion. It's Adam Cole. Baby. And he's coming into your ear hole right now. Wow. Somebody get Andre the Giant. That was not the way I wanted to set it up. <laughs> it's Adam Cole entering our podcast right now for you. Enjoy. Adam Cole. Baby. Back where he belongs on the CBS Sports State of Combat podcast. How's it going, brother? Man, I'm doing great. Uh, Really, really looking forward to take over Toronto this weekend. Excited to retain my NXT championship of the world. I'm feeling great. Better than ever. You said you're looking forward to it. Good Lord, are we Saturday night in Toronto, 7 p.m. Eastern on the WWE Network. You're in the main event against Johnny Gargano. Two out of three falls. Your belt, your gold at stake. But, Adam Cole, this is the trilogy. And correct me if I'm wrong. You sort of stumbled into this, and now you have nerds like us going, is this not only the feud of the year, is this up there with the greatest we've seen since we've been alive? And I'm not popping the hyperbole balloons to try to kiss up to you. I'm telling you what my wrestling heart's telling me. Well, you know, I, I appreciate that because the fact is I've said a lot of things about Johnny Gargano. A lot of people know how we feel about each other, but the truth is, and I know this and I know he'll agree, we most certainly bring the best out in one another. Uh, I, I won't ever say that Johnny Gargano is not a fantastic professional wrestler because he is. I think fighting for that number one and number two spot is something that me and Johnny are always going to do. But when it comes to this trilogy that people remember for the rest of their lives, I think people are going to walk away knowing that Adam Cole was the better man. And I'm going to prove that at TakeOver Toronto. All right. But when we talk about historic trilogies, you're thinking of things like Steamboat and Flair. You're thinking of... Well, I know that wasn't three, but you're thinking of Omega Okada. You're thinking of... Mm -hmm. Good God, I'm thinking about Gargano and Ciampa, which is arguably maybe what this would have been if injuries didn't get in the way. Now you and Adam and Johnny Gargano have a chance to enter your own names in that book. So I know you want to one-up him, but how much pressure is there on you guys to make this match on the same level of those first two? Because you really, not fooling around, can splash the history books here in terms of five-star matches across the board. Yeah, yeah, it most certainly is a lot of pressure. You know, I I certainly felt going into our first two out of three falls match, WrestleMania weekend, I know the both of us certainly felt that pressure of of living up to this expectation of what NXT presents now consistently. And not only trying to live up to that, but to knock it out of the park and and raise the bar ourselves. Uh, Then the second one, same type of deal, TakeOver 25, one of the biggest TakeOvers in history. Uh, Again, another classic. So knowing that we're going in to take over Toronto, the third match in the series, uh, the first two loved by a lot of people. We want to make this one the best one yet. Uh, uh, So most certainly 
a lot of pressure, but it's something that we're accustomed to, we're used to, and I think, again, it brings, uh, brings the best out in me. So there's no question you've had some great matches throughout your career against Kevin Steen, now Kevin Owens in Ring of Honor. Some of your matches in PWG, of course, with the Jacksons against Ricochet Osprey, etc. Do you feel that today in WWE, in NXT, you are doing the best work of your career? Because besides the Gargano matches, we're talking about Undisputed Era, British Strong Style, your match against Ricochet, the, uh, the latter match, of course. Um, where does this run stand in your career right now? Yeah, uh, incredibly high. As, as a matter of fact, I think I'm going to agree. I think so far in my career, this has been my highlight. Uh, NXT, the, the roster, um, to me, is just so incredibly stacked right now, where uh, there's so many guys that you could change or put in different positions. The two guys that open takeover could be two guys that close it uh, the next takeover. So I really feel like our roster is, uh, is stronger than it's ever been. And in turn, the, the work that I've done with Kyle, Bobby, and Roddy, uh, this formation of the Undisputed Era, uh, something that to me will absolutely go down as one of the coolest things I've done in my career. It, it just, I, I feel like things are clicking on all cylinders right now. But, but I also have that mentality of always finding things uh, to get better at, always finding things that I want to improve on. And then a year from now, I'll think, and hopefully my game will have gotten even better. Uh, but, but right now, I'm very confident in the way everything's going, and I'm very proud of the way everything's going. It's, it's a cool time for me, and I'm making sure to kind of sit back and smell the roses a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, and you, and you really should. Uh, my follow-up here is kind of along the same lines, and it's very simple. Do you guys actually care about match ratings, stars, the way the fans react, or is it more how you feel coming out of the ring at that moment, whether you know, hey, I just put on a classic, I did something really special, or is there kind of a part of you that's kind of like, you know, I wonder uh, what they're going to say on Cage Match or what Meltzer's going to rate this? Yeah, yeah. That, first of all, that's a great question. Um, and, and for me, it's a combination of both. So certainly the most important thing is when you're done, if you can look in the mirror or, or the feeling that you have after the match is over and you feel proud and you feel great of what you've accomplished, that's obviously the most important. But I think people are kidding themselves when they say that uh, stuff like star ratings or fans' perspective, that that doesn't matter to them at all. Because naturally, when you're happy and when you're excited about something, uh, you hope that other people feel the same way and other people share the exact same excitement. So I think it's important not to obsess on those types of things, but it absolutely just adds to the excitement of everything. When, when you're done having a match that you're proud of, and then you see that thousands of people share the exact same feeling that you do, it, it just makes the excitement that much more. So, yeah, I, I think both are very important. Now, along that same vein, Adam, when, when you're authoring a match that people sort of have this threshold, a five-star match, when you're authoring an extra special match, I'm sure you know it. I'm sure you know what that feels like. But that first match with Johnny Gargano, WrestleMania weekend, I mean, sir, I mean, look, Meltzer called it the greatest WWE match in history. So we're talking about certainly a special match. But in that finishing sequence, those final three, five minutes, when you guys are playing with the audience's hearts like you're a uh, conductor of an orchestra, do you know that's something extra, extra special in that moment? Or are you so focused on what's happening? I mean, how conscious are you of, of sort of what you're putting together in that moment? So, so generally, um, you're so focused on the, the task at hand and the job that you have 
Um, but uh, specifically in that moment, uh, like the last two minutes of that match, there was a point where I realized, okay, this is incredibly special. Um, but I remember just the, the feeling and the emotion in that building, uh, uh, even looking out and being able to see people jumping up and down or pushing each other. Like I had, I've been in some really cool atmospheres and I've experienced a lot of really, really awesome crowds all over the world. But, but that one specifically was the most fever pitched I've ever seen an audience as far as a match uh, that I was involved in. So I knew it was special. Um, I didn't know how special it would be until afterwards, but I knew it was really, really special in that moment. What does that look like when you walk through the curtain? What's the next three, five minutes like behind the 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 uh, backstage behind with the crowd not with you yeah uh the, the first feeling i have when i walk back through the curtain is always relief um especially when it goes well um i'm just happy that uh you know i'm healthy i'm happy that people are happy about it uh I, i'm happy the feeling that i have and then there's a sense of uh just again, excitement of how well it went. Like sleeping that night was impossible. You know, I, I was up super, super late that night because I was so jazzed up and had so much adrenaline going through my body. Um, it, it's such an indescribable feeling um, to, to walk back through the curtain and you're surrounded by your peers and people that you look up to and you admire. And, and that environment and the energy in that room is so positive. And, uh, you know, that you knocked it out of the park feeling. Um, it's cool. I, I can't describe it. It's so hard, but it's the best feeling in the world. It really is. All right, John, uh, Adam, the build toward this third match with Johnny has gotten us fired up. Love the the sort of outside the ring videos, the, the, the way that this story was built. So I got to ask you for real here. Gargano's Pizza. How does it rate? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'm a, I'm a big fan of pizza. One of my favorite uh, cheat meals when I want to indulge and enjoy myself is having a nice slice of pizza. And as far as Gargano's pizza, uh, very average, very average pizza. <laughs> I'm not going to trash it. I'm not going to say that it's the worst pizza in the world because that just sounds cliche. But yeah, very average. I've eaten better. All right. Well, you are from Pennsylvania, and I've done time there. I don't know if they have great pizza there. Did, did I just did I just write myself out of the family will? No, 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 you didn't. Uh, Pennsylvania has some good pizza places. Really, all over the country, if you look hard enough, you can find a great slice of pizza pretty much anywhere you look. I, I know it's not known for its pizza, but Pennsylvania, amazing food, and and sometimes pizza is one of those things. So you can find really anything you're looking for in Pennsylvania if you look hard enough. Do you have a cheesesteak of choice up there? A cheesesteak of choice. Um, a spot, man, really? So I actually, I, I, yeah, I actually don't. I think I've had like two proper Philly cheesesteaks in my life. Um, I haven't eaten a ton of them, but I'm just like a standard boring guy where I just like the plain cheesesteak with the cheese whiz on it. Uh, but the, the few that I have had, like Tony Luke's and stuff like that, are delicious. I love, I love a good Philly cheesesteak. Damn. So right. Yeah. Go ahead. I was looking. I was looking at the Wikipedia profile. I'm seeing, and tell me if it's wrong, resident of South Florida. Is that accurate? Yes, yes, that is correct. So I'm down here too. It's great. My question is, what are you doing when you're home? Like, what what are you? What advantages are you taking of the South Florida lifestyle or the things that are going on in this area? Because we have a lot of listeners across the country, across the world, 
they think South Florida, they think South Beach. But living in where I, I assume you live, it's pretty close to me. It ain't the South Beach lifestyle. So I'm really curious, what are you doing day to day down here in South Florida? Sure. So um, my answer will probably be very boring. Uh, but, but considering how much I travel and uh, am on the road and training and things like that, when I get home, I generally love to just stay in my place and either play video games, uh, watch a movie I really wanted to see, catch up on a TV show. I've had a blast going to Disney. I've gone to Disney a handful of times. Um, haven't made it to Universal too much, but uh, me and my girlfriend, we love going to the beach. Um, yeah, it kind of varies, kind of like whatever we're in the mood for, but there is a ton to do in Florida. So I, I've really enjoyed my time here thus far. But yeah, generally speaking, if you're asking a day-to-day, you have the day off, what are you doing? I'm playing video games. Yeah, as little, as little as possible. That makes sense. So when you're in NXT, yeah. I mean, you're in NXT now, obviously, are you making that drive or do you have a place in Orlando that when you're there for maybe tapings or whatever the case um, that, you know, you have your own like apartment or something going on there? Yeah, yeah. I, I have a place in Orlando, uh, which is yeah incredibly convenient for, for everything, whether it be the, the Florida shows or uh, stopping in at the uh, WWE Performance Center. So, yeah, very convenient for me. Hey, sorry to crash this uh, South Florida party here. But, hey, look, uh, it's, it's rare, man. It's really rare. Everyone's usually <laughs> Orlando, Jacksonville, Tampa. I don't get a South Florida guy that often. All right. All right. Uh, hey, Adam Cole. Um, You know, we sort of do this to you every single time because here's the deal. People like different flavors. We talk about pizza. People like different kinds, right? Some weirdos stuff their crust. Hey, that's fine. That's how you do it. You know the flavor I love in pro wrestling the best? It's called NXT, okay? You know that. I know that. Um, we all remember that scene in Billy Madison. I can't wait to go to hike school, Billy. You're one of those guys, Adam Cole. Me as the fan, I don't need you on Raw and SmackDown. I kind of need your badass ways on the yellow and black brand. Do you ever have those same thoughts? Like, I know you got dreams. I know you want a main event mania someday. But what you got going on here? Hey, don't rush it. Sure. Well, I'll tell you this much, and I don't want to speak for a lot of the guys in NXT, but I will. Um, a lot of us are incredibly proud of the growth of the brand. Like, like for me, I've only been here for two years. And just to see the growth that NXT has gone through in this short, short period of time it is amazing to me. Um, we're very proud of what we produce week after week. Uh, we're proud of the team, the roster, our fans, and the relationship that we have with them. It's something that you can't put a price on. Um, and to me, bell to bell, NXT is the best wrestling show in the world. And I'm incredibly proud of that. So for me, again, of course, someday, Raw and SmackDown, incredible. Main eventing WrestleMania, incredible. But I, I'm not sitting here thinking, God, I can't wait to get out of NXT. I'm happy in NXT. I love what we're doing. And, and I love being part of a brand that is just continuing to grow month after month. Yeah, no question about it. And you're part of a fantastic faction in the Undisputed Era. We've talked to you in the past about the certain feels we get from some of the vignettes. It's NWO-ish. You guys are putting your own spin on it. Um, so far, people care about factions. Uh, we're, on this show, we argue all the time there's not enough of them, especially on the main roster. What do you think the Undisputed Era adds that's sort of different in this pantheon of other great collections? Yeah, um, well, to me, the biggest reason I think the Undisputed Era clicks so well, is, and you'll notice this with any factions that are successful, I think it's painfully obvious that the four of us are as tight as can be. 
like I have known these guys for 10 years now. I, I was in Kyle O'Reilly's wedding. I was at Roderick Strong wedding. We, we literally the four of us talk every single day and we all share an incredible passion for this job and for this sport. So it, to me, that translates so well on camera. I also have so much fun with those guys. Anytime we're performing together or wrestling together, I'm having the time of my life. I know they feel the same way. And I feel like that translates for, for a lot of us. It's a comfortability and a happiness being around each other and kind of bringing the best out of each other. We're sharing pressure together. Uh, you know, I love those guys to death and I know they feel the same way. So I, I think the, the biggest reason that Undisputed Era clicks so well is because that relationship is very real. It's not pretend. It's a very real relationship. Absolutely. Uh, we know you get bro- bromances going on the road. Road marriages. Guys that you just click with. It just works. Is that sort of, are those guys your, your, your wingmen on the road as well everywhere you go? 100 percent yeah yeah we're, we're traveling together uh together anytime that we get the chance to anytime we're on the same events and again seriously when we're not even together we'll, we'll we'll talk every day whether it's about wrestling or whether it's about something besides that we're always in contact with each other 99 percent of the time we're talking about wrestling uh but yeah yeah these are guys i eat with after the show uh, drive to and from the show with they're, they're my they're my road marriages Someone else would probably be in that crew, I assume, would be Kevin Owens. And I saw a brief oh, clip yeah. on whatever it was, WWE Watch Along for one of the last pay-per-views, where you guys basically attacked each other. I should say he attacked you, <laughs> or like that. Um, you know, Can you talk a little bit about that relationship that you guys have developed for such a long time? And is it almost a, a situation now where you see each other and you're like, man, I haven't seen you in months because you're on such different schedules, but maybe you wish he was there and perhaps part of Undisputed Era. Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, talking about people I've known for a long time. I've known Kevin uh, since my Ring of Honor days. And um, he, he was a guy who helped me so incredibly much uh, early on. Uh, he helped me find myself. Um, he, I, I think he got me to think in a, in a more main event process with, uh, with the way I executed matches. And he just really, he kind of took me under his wing. Uh, he, he took a liking to me and helped me a lot. Again, that was someone that when we were on the same show, we would travel together and be together and talk about wrestling. And um, yeah, uh, Kevin's one of those guys, same deal, where when I haven't seen him for a few months, it, it's again, like a bummer that we haven't seen each other, but it's like we never lost a step. It's like we've been talking every day since. I, I've said this before all the time, the Undisputed Era is a very tight-knit group. And you don't really think about anybody else who would want to be involved or get involved. But Kevin Owens is that one exception. I, I love him to death. Yeah, the, I could see the chemistry working there. I can't wait to see the chemistry working this Saturday when you meet Johnny Gargano for the third time. Best of three falls. And I'm sorry, but yeah, with the three different stipulations, best of three falls. NXT TakeOver Toronto, 7 p.m. Eastern WWE Network. We're all fired up. But final question here. The pressure's on you, as we talked about, to go out and deliver, I don't know, a nine-and-a-half-star match, whatever's mathematically possible. But you're one of the best stick guys in the game today. You do cool pretty damn well. Tell me about the process. What makes up a great promo in 2019? So the first and most important thing, without question, is you have to believe what you're saying. I am convinced 
that someone could cut a promo in front of a camera and they could be talking about cheesecake the entire time. But if they believe it with conviction, people will listen. So even more so than content, obviously content is very important. Uh, Your belief in your own words is far and beyond the most important thing. And obviously content, coming up with things that you want to say that are clever, stuff that's outside the box, (coughs) excuse me, Um, just finding different ways to tell your story. Um, Maybe there are times where I'm going to talk really, really loud, and then there will be times where I talk quietly. The art of the promo is such a fascinating thing to me because there's a million different ways to do it. There's a million different emotions that you're feeling. And as long as whatever emotion you are trying to convey, the audience understands, that's what makes a great promo. So it's something I'm very interested in. It's something I have been interested in for a really long time. I put just as much effort into promos as I do my wrestling matches. And, uh, yeah, nothing better to me than a good promo. I love them. Damn right. Adam Cole, thank you for your time, sir. Best of luck this Saturday in Toronto. Oh, my God. Get, get, keep the ink ready. I mean, we're about to write this in the history tablet of my heart here, this trilogy. Can't wait to see the final gift. Go get him, brother. Uh, thank you guys very much. I appreciate that. All right. Wow. I mean, the guy, the guy leaks star. The guy leaks star power. You may have been trying to stalk him there. I'm not really sure. Yeah, you, did you did you look into his windows in South Florida? Outside of that, the guy leaks star power. No, I was trying to make a connection with the guy. Despite a lot of wrestlers living in Florida, they're mostly in Tampa, uh, Orlando area, uh, Jacksonville, St. Petersburg. They don't really live in South Florida. So I thought when I was looking up his Wikipedia profile, it was surprising. He's like 20 minutes from me. Very, very strange. He now but... has a restraining order against yep. you. And uh, wait, wait, did you sell that guy? To, is that who you sold the hot tub to? Yeah. He's the, look, Panama City Playboy is the type of guy who's going to buy a hot tub. Let me tell you that right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that Cole interview. You're right. He drips charisma, first of all. Speaking of hot tubs. Uh, secondly, he lives the gimmick, but not to the point where he won't break the kayfabe with you in the yes. interview. Right? So him just kind of like totally crapping on Gargano's pizza. Loved that. That might have been my highlight from it. Yeah. and But yet he'll still play ball. And he'll tell you about the inside baseball that we want to hear. He'll tell you. About which is really the theme of this of this match, not the storyline theme, the real theme. They stumbled into history here. They stumbled into a chance to have a historically great trilogy in terms of in ring and, and it mattering under the NXT banner. So, uh, you know, they may they may say like inevitably it was going to happen, and we can we can argue that. Of course, Adam Cole was 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 seemingly ready to make this leap to the title level, but if Tommaso Ciampa doesn't go down, we don't get this. And to hear Adam Cole understand that and recognize it, but then step in and have the kind of matches he's having and talk to us about why Gargano fits so well opposite him. That in that chemistry, man. I mean, it's we know in history the guys who have had it, and it's just perfect with these two. So to see Cole get to this point, and, you know, you mentioned a bunch of his indie feuds that he's well-known for. He's also really well-known for that Kyle O'Reilly feud in ROH, and it's like this is just putting everything he's ever done on a lower level because it, cause it's so damn great. And I like the funny drop of him crapping on pizza, but I do want to talk pizza for a second here, Adam. Sure. I grew up in Connecticut. I live in Connecticut. I grew up 18 miles from New Haven, the pizza capital of the world. I'm, I'm familiar. Yeah. I also grew up really ignorant, not really realizing what I had, where I was in the map, just eating great pizza, 
left and right at them to the point where like every town around where I grew up in Naugatuck, Connecticut, still to this day, every single town has a disproportionate amount of pizza joints. It's like every corner. And even in, in the quality across the board, even down to the low, low, low level mom and pops that don't speak English, is fantastic. It wasn't until I got older and woker, Adam, and started to travel this great country for my jobs that I realized pizza elsewhere sucks the horn. Like, it's not a little bit good. It's awful. Now, look, I've had great... Rich, trendy pizza in L.A. and in in New York City has great pizza. But everybody knows that. But better, pizza. I'm not sure. And I know there's the there's the deep dishes in Chicago. I've never been able to really dial into that garbage. I'm not sure there's good pizza anywhere else, and I mean that. Is there chain acceptable pizza? Yes, pizza is very much like they say, like sex. Bad pizza's great. Okay, cafeteria pizza growing up, great. Those little squares, all pizza's great. But there's levels of greatness. Absolutely. And I've been to Florida many times. They don't know what the hell they're doing down there. We haven't ta- I mean, we haven't taken you to a pizza joint here, though. But they there's- don't know what they're doing. I've been there. I that's live that true. life. Here's why that's not true. There are places in Florida, because you forget this is like New York transplanted down here. There are places in South Florida that fly in the water to make Wow. Pizza. And it is very close. All right, I'm challenging you the next time I'm in FTL to – and I'm not trying to do Dave Portnoy and do this barstool one-bite thing, but I'm just telling you I did wake up one day and realize that they don't – there's there's something special about this so, area, Adam. So, well, I've had – I have not – to be fair, I have not been in New Haven, and when I was in Connecticut, we did not go for pizza. So I haven't experienced New Haven pizza in New Haven. But there are two places that are – I guess there are chains, but they're very famous – New Haven pizza chains in Boca Raton and in the South Florida area. I've had both of them. It's that coal fire type of style. Thin crust, coal fire. And then, by the way, that's not even my favorite style, but it's it's amazing. Right. I don't who likes their pizza burnt like that? Like I'm okay with a little bit of a char, a little bit of a taste, but if the bottom of my pie is black, that's I don't want to eat coal. Baby. Well, you're going it's you probably had a slice that was too heavy in the coal in the in the darkness. I've had but. pies, man. Like I mean, look, that that's not even in my top three of favorite styles, but I certainly recognize how amazing and brilliant it is. Can we agree the best pizza is real New York pizza? No, the best pizza is made by Greek people because it's so like here's here's the honesty about pizza. Okay, if you if if thin crust style is your favorite New Haven style. okay, but that doesn't mean you're a pizza fan. That means you're just a food fan and you recognize it. If you're a real pizza fan, your favorite topping on pizza is Nothing. Grease. Grease is your favorite topping on pizza. If you take a paper towel out and dab, get, throw the throw the whole thing in the garbage. Throw yourself <laughs> in the garbage afterwards. Okay. Grease is it, and it's actually Greek. The Greeks that make the best pizza because it's extra heavy cheese naturally. It's extra sauce. It's always a crust that tastes basically like candy because it's got so much oil on it. And it's it's perfection. It really is. But, it, you know, obviously, all the elements have to be there. That sauce has to have that edge to it and a little bit of a kick. Mike's Got Pizza Palace, Naugatuck, Connecticut, will change anyone's life. But that's that's my speech on pizza for the moment. So, you, I mean, I'm with you. I haven't – I don't think I can say I've had Greek pizza necessarily. But what I can tell you is I agree with many of those takes. It has to be cheese only with grease, whatever. You want to add a little Parmesan, you can. But that's about the – or maybe garlic powder. That's the extent of it. Um but bro- the the Brooklyn style pizza, the New York style pizza, 
is by far and away the best. You can't really convince me otherwise. I've had the Coal Fire. I've had the New Haven. I've had Chicago style. I had a girl who was from Chicago order down a frozen. They do this Lou Malnati's pizza that we baked in the oven. We got it back up the temp and we did the whole nine yards. Yuck. I mean, not even the re- it wasn't the reheating. Yuck. I don't that is not pizza. That is a tomato pie with cheese on it. In it, whatever you want to call it. Not that is not pizza to me. That's like a casserole. Well, thing. first of all, if you're reheating something, it, it's not going to work. Anyway. No, but it's cooked to the specifications yeah, of Malnati's. Look, man, that's what they tell you. They sell them across the country. It's a right. thing. I want to try Gargano's pizza in uh, outside of Cleveland there, though. I want. I want. I want the test. I want you, the test. You need yeah. a steep a Miocic, uh UFC event to happen to be a fight night in Cleveland, where maybe he has four losses and they put him on the, in the main event there, right? That's where Stipe did tap. That was where CM Punk made his debut, UFC two oh three. Never forget. All right, where were we? We were talking. Which CM Punk UFC match was more embarrassing? That uh, one or when he lost to a photo journal? All of them. All, all of the above. Obviously the second one, but all of the above. Uh, all right, Adam Cole, Um, man, he's got it. And I'm glad that he had the chance to show us in this feud that he can do this, that he can get in there with a Gargano and not just have a five-star match, but have what we just talked to him about, have a Meltzer saying it's the greatest match in WWE history. You and I were there. Yes, we were sitting up where uh, Sting used to hide in WCW, but we still felt that. We still tasted it. We still rubbed it on plenty parts of our body, and it was the first match was something special. And it's weird that se- that second one was the sequel, and obviously it, it was a step down, but not that far, Adam. Not that I friggin' know, far. I don't even know if it was a step down. It was like a step to the side. Is what I would say. He's, he's still not fully lateral. That first match just did. It just was. It, it, it talk about the flavor, the sauce flavor. It had that finishing sequence, which wrestling similar to like live music in that sense, where there's those moments once in a while, like when you're at a concert and the favorite band is jamming, and they're at a point where it's it, like it's almost as if you're having an out of body re- experience. You're like removed from that moment. You want to like you don't know if you should cry. You don't know what's going on. You're just. You're just high. You're just high in that moment. And JPW does that great. We talk about it all the time. That end of that match, that finishing sequence, when it just grabbed your emotions and just twi- twisted it like 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 a pizza pie, like a, like a dough up in the air. Oh man, I it, it I want that. I need that again. This they got a lot of pressure on them, Adam. They got a lot of pressure on them. They to, do to uh, to not. It's not not to not fail because failure in this case is a great match. They have a lot of pressure to come out and peel our skin, and it's not just in the execution. And we're going to talk to Johnny Gargano a second about the execution of a great match and what goes into it. But would you agree, Adam Silverstein, that they better have a great story conclusion to this? They better have something where we're just like, damn, that three-part movie? Godfather 1 through 3, they nailed it. Well, maybe Godfather 3 is a bad example, but they nailed it. I have a sneaking suspicion I know what it is. I'm not going to give it away yet because we have someone else to talk to, don't we, BC? We do. We do. You want to get a rebuttal from the Gargano side of the pizza tray? We got Johnny Takeover right now. And honestly, one of the one of the better interviews we've done in a while. Enjoy this. Could have gone an hour with Johnny. He's real. He brings it right now. He doesn't love his own wrestling style. You're going to find out why. It's Johnny Takeover coming at you. Enjoy. 
Johnny Gargano stepping back into the CBS Sports State of Combat podcast, but not just for a regular chat. Johnny, we're talking about NXT TakeOver Toronto. We're talking about Sunday, Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern on the WWE Network. All right, I got the plugs out of the way. We're talking about Cole Gargano 3. I can't contain it anymore. You on the same wavelength as me? Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, that's the beauty of this whole thing, man. Like, we're all so excited. I'm super excited. I'm super excited for every takeover. Because I think I've said time and time again that nothing on this planet, absolutely nothing, nothing compares to an NXT takeover, especially a takeover in Toronto. Uh, I have a long history in Toronto on the indies. I have a long history in Toronto in NXT, winning, my, uh, winning the tag team titles with Tommaso Ciampa, DIY versus Revival, two out of three falls in Toronto. Back in the first takeover Toronto, now we're going back. Another takeover in Toronto. Another two out of three falls match in, uh, in essence of itself, and I can't wait to uh, go back. I can't wait to hear the electricity from the crowd. And, uh, yeah, man, it's exciting times because Saturday night is going to be awesome. It is. It is going to be awesome. And, we, you know, we just had the privilege of talking with the NXT champion, Adam Cole, and asked him something similar along these same lines. But let's be really honest. It's 2019, Johnny Gargano. People like us that do these podcasts, these super fans, we care about this number system. We care about five stars, seven stars, 84 and a half stars. And this feud between the two of you, this trilogy, it's historic, dude. It's it's the top shelf stuff. And I know you already know that. So when you enter into the third one and you know you have a chance to tie a bow on something truly, truly special that crossed over, how much pressure you got on you right now to, to really write the final chapter, if it is the final chapter, the right way? See, I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but I never really feel pressure. Uh, I get very excited, and maybe it's just because I've done so many of these takeovers, and I've done a lot of these takeover main events, where I feel like they kind of give me the ball because they see how I handle the situation it isn't too big for me. And I've always, uh, I've always thought of myself as a big match wrestler. And uh, there is no bigger match for me than at the main event of an NXT takeover. Uh, but like you said, uh, Johnny Organo versus Adam Cole part three to put a bow on this whole thing. Uh, you brought up the rating scales, you brought up the stars, you brought up all that stuff. And, and for me, and I've said this time and time again, I'm not a fan of my own work. I don't like my own matches. So I'm just really pumped that people seem to enjoy them a little bit. Uh, so I don't go to a match and I don't go like, Oh man, there's going to be a five-star match. I never had that mindset, but going into this match, which I mean, essentially our last two, uh, were both rated. One was rated well above five stars. I mean, I, I don't remember what the second one's 5.2 or I, I don't know what the, the star scale is anymore, but, uh, both over five stars. And I believe there is a, uh, there's bets on this one being at least five stars. So if there was any pressure, I would be feeling it insurmountably. But I'm just really excited. And but like you said, I know how special this is. I know how cool this could be. And to put a bow on this whole thing is going to be uh, a, a really cool occurrence. And uh, I think Saturday night is going to be a really unforgettable night for a lot of different reasons. So uh, why don't you like your own matches? What's that about? I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I think I'm just I'm just weird. Uh, I, I think that's the best way to describe myself. I'm a weird guy in the sense where I never feel like what I'm doing is special. And maybe that's just a weird, like uh, a weird way I think about myself. I think I think my story has been told to death, but I was a chubby kid growing up. So like, I've always thought I wasn't good enough. And I kind of still have that mindset today, even though I have abs now, 
I'm still a chubby kid at heart. So I kind of always feel like, ah, oh, maybe that wasn't good enough. Maybe that was, maybe was that okay? I think I always come to the curtain and gorilla and I'm like, is that okay? Like, was that fine? Cause I never really know. I never really feel it. Uh, I mean, in the, in the ring and the crowd's going nuts and I kind of feel like, okay, this is going pretty well, but like, I never really know in the moment. And I, it's just good. I think like years from now, like maybe when I'm like 50, 60 years old, I'll look back and be like, Oh, I did some pretty cool stuff. But in the moment I'm very much so like, okay, I hope that was fine. <laughs> Dude, that's yeah, I'm weird, that's man. a special gift, Johnny, that you don't, that the pressure doesn't mount on your shoulders that, like you said, you're not the biggest fan of your own work. So it's almost like you're just going out there and punching a clock. And I don't say that to, to assume that you don't care on the level that we do. I just mean like, that's a gift, man, to not to not live in that same bubble about your own artwork that a lot of us do. Yeah, I mean, like maybe it's just because I'm from Cleveland and I kind of have a workhorse mentality where I'm just gonna I'm there to do a job and I'm gonna do it the best of, to the best of my abilities. Uh, and like I said, I don't know if my abilities are that good in my own head, <laughs> but at least people seem to think they are. So that's good enough for me. If if like here's the thing for me: if, if my favorite wrestler growing up, Shawn Michaels. Uh, a guy who I idolized, the guy who was painted on my wall, thinks my masters are pretty good. If the fans think my masters are pretty good, then I guess I'm doing a pretty good job. Uh, <laughs> I'm okay in that sense. Well, but- speaking, of, speaking of Cleveland, what did, what did your dad think of kind of getting involved, the guys you know, where you trained, obviously one of them coming down to Orlando on NXT? What, what was that experience like for all of them suddenly being injected into this version of Johnny Gargano and this feud that we're seeing on NXT right now? I think that's such a cool thing about what we're able to do in NXT and what we're able to do in this day and age is tell these type of realistic stories and kind of, you know, it's so funny to me when people come up to me and they're like, Oh, you know, we saw your dad's catering company on the, your dad's restaurant on NXT. Like, that's cool. Like, is that real? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's my dad's real restaurant. I really wrestled in the back parking lot when I was eight years old. Everything you see on NXT, I know people think like, oh, it's for wrestling. So it's all these stories. But no, man, like everything you see in the whole Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole story, all the stuff going back to Cleveland, all the stuff that has involved me and my family and me at the AIW school, that was all real. That was all real footage. That wasn't like a story that we manufactured. That was just all real life stuff. And it's it's just, it's super cool for me to be able to kind of inject that uh, back into, you know, what I think it is a big part of me, you know, Cleveland's a big part of me. The IW school is a big part of me. My dad's catering company, my dad, my family, they all made me who I am today. So to be able to have them kind of with me on NXT TV to get kind of that opportunity to shine a light on them as well. It's just, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's very special for me. And I think, like I said, I'm going to look back years from now and talk about how cool that is. I'm going to look back years from now and think, oh, man, my dad was on NXT TV. That's pretty wild. And so many people close to me now and, like, my friends, like, people I know, and they ask me if they can have a pizza box from my dad's restaurant just as a memento. <laughs> I don't know how many times, and this is legit, um, I get a text message from my mom almost daily, like once every day, with a picture of a stranger just standing in front of that wall with my picture on it because different people are now coming into my dad's restaurant that are fans of mine and are like talking to my actual mom and talking to my actual dad and like saying, Oh, we're huge fans of Johnny. We just came in because we saw the place on NXT. And my mom was like, Oh, I'm going to take a picture of you and send it to Johnny. So I get so many pictures of strangers <laughs> every single day. Uh, but that's so cool. So if you go to my dad's restaurant nine out of night, there's a good chance. I know who you are because I, my mom has texted me a picture of you. So yeah, keep supporting my kids' restaurant. Yeah, business picking up at Gargano's right there. And by the way, not yeah, hard to become 
not hard to become a chubby kid when you grow up in a pizzeria. But I want to talk about that pizza because we asked Adam Cole about that pizza. We said, no kayfabe, brother. Give us the real deal. How does it taste? He said average. Oh, he's a mean guy, isn't he? I mean, the proof is in the pudding slash eight-year-old chubby Johnny Gargano. The pizza's great. You can just look at my body and see how great it is. Well, let's, let's, I mean, how long's the restaurant been open, right? Uh, my dad has had the restaurant for over 40 years. Okay, so that's all you need. Though uh, so my dad is 78 years old. Wow. Uh, he may not look it, but yeah, he's 78 years old. Uh, so I, I'm 31. I'm about to turn 32 next week. Uh, my birthday is next Wednesday. Uh, and he's had that restaurant for basically my whole life. So, you know. I've been eating that pizza since I was a little tiny baby, so I think it's great. Fantastic. I want to talk to you about how this feud came together because we know you were in the midst of authoring what we've told you, what we call it. The story with you and Tommaso Ciampa is the greatest story ever told 2.0. It's everything I loved about the Mega Powers growing up, but different and, and, and new school. and just. But I compare the two because of the feels that they both gave me. But that fell apart with Tommaso's injury. Insert Adam Cole. Um, the quality hasn't lessened. So is the idea that this trilogy, which is really, a, I mean, it's like a career-defining trilogy in terms of quality of work, this kind of dropped in your lap. And suddenly now guys like us are tasked with saying, if this third match is amazing, where do we rank it historically? Where do we rank it in Johnny Gargano's career? Do you have those same thoughts because of how sort of haphazard this became? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the beauty of NXT, man. We roll with the punches. Uh, I mean, you, you see, in essence, where uh, you can talk about me and Tommaso, and you can talk about how Tommaso tore his ACL in the ladder match, and that was never supposed to happen, but that made us prolong that story. That made you guys wait for the actual Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa story, and we made the best of that situation. Because the best of that situation came, I wrestled Andrade, in Philadelphia, so that match would have never happened. So if Tommaso doesn't tear his ACL in that ladder match, I don't wrestle Andrade in Philadelphia, so that match never happens. Uh, so we got a, a bonus there. I went from that match to wrestling Tommaso in New Orleans, and coming off of me versus Andrade, that match was even hotter then. So then, then going into uh, the, the Tommaso neck stuff, the Tommaso neck injury happens, that leads to me and Cole, that bumps that up a bunch. And, I mean, we wouldn't have that match in New York. So it's just so many different variables and so many different things. If this didn't happen, this wouldn't happen. But in NXT, like I said, we roll with the punches and we make the best of what we're given. Um, and that goes, that speaks volumes of the talent of not only in the office, but the talent in the locker room, um, the roster we have, the locker room we have, that we can just pluck a guy uh, and put him in the main event and have it be an amazing showcase and make it believable as well. I think that's also very important. Um, but it's funny because ever since Adam Cole signed with NXT, um, I think Johnny Organo versus Adam Cole was inevitable. I think that was always going to happen eventually. Um, and now to be able to do it and not only do it, but have a trilogy to have basically three different matches. Um, I mean, if you count two or three falls, <laughs> a whole bunch of different <laughs> matches. Uh, but yeah, to be able to do it and to be able for it to be so universally received, because I think that's really important too. Um, because I know in this day and age, like people get tired of things very quickly. And for good reason, because, you know, there's so much wrestling and so much content. But for there to be a third Johnny Arena versus Adam Cole match in Toronto, for people still to be excited, and for us 
to make it to put it on us to make it different to make, make it special to make it unique um i think that speaks volumes again as us as performers and it speaks volumes of the office and the whole staff the whole crew that we're able to put that together you know, I'm, I'm not going to waste a follow-up question on asking you if you're surprised that it reached this level because you just nailed some of the things in there. You know Adam Cole's ability. You could have assumed what your chemistry would be like. And plus, like you said, it almost doesn't matter who's in the main event. NXT takeovers are delivering. I mean, NXT in 2018, we always talk about it. One of the best years a promotion has ever had. But, Johnny, we can throw humility out of the window now, okay? I know you don't know how good you are. Okay. I know you think your match is. I'll try. But I'm going to throw that <laughs> angle out of there. There's a common thread here, brother. Okay. The common thread is that when Johnny Takeover straps him on and laces him up, people drop a lot of stars on the table. The matches go next level. So within this legitimately great dude, you're humble. You punch the clock, man. You go and do it. At the same time, for us. Marks, Smarks, hardcore fans, you're authoring a year and a half, two year stretch that I really feel like we're going to talk about years to come when we're talking about match quality. So I know that you got no pressure on you in this trilogy to live up to expectations. Are enough people sitting you down and telling you you're on a freaking roll right now? I mean, are you getting that at least? Is Candice able to tell you that at least? And you know it? Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Candace, Candace takes pride in keeping me humble. Uh, if there, if I have any sense of, uh, if I even say like, "Oh, that match was great," if I say any of that, Candace jumps on me. So I am. <laughs> Candace is not the one to go to for that. <laughs> if there's anyone that gets the Shawn Michaels and then uh, the Triple H's that are actually. Uh, they're super proud of what I've done. That, that that gives me a little bit, a little bit of a boost. But Candace is not one of them, which for good reason. Uh, but yeah, speaking of Candace, I'm super pumped for her match with EO at Takeover. By the way, they're going to absolutely kill it. So I want to put that little side note on this on this sentence. Uh, I can't wait to see Candace on a Takeover. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but um, yeah, you said it yourself. Uh, me at a Takeover, it's become very special. Uh, this role I'm on, this role I'm I, like. I feel like I'm very lucky to be on this role. I'm like, yes, I've, I've, I've worked very hard to get to where I am and I'm very confident in my abilities. Um, but I'm also very lucky to get the opportunity to do it. Uh, cause like I've said time and time again, the guys like me were never pegged to be the top guy. Uh, I was never that whole story that I told about being told no at my tryout. That's all real. Uh, none of this is really supposed to happen. Uh, so I'm kind of taking it in and stride and, there is a there is a bit of a chip on my shoulder because I still do have that kind of underdog mentality and I always will have it, even though I mean you look at me now I'm not much of an underdog seeing that I've done everything there is to do in NXT first Triple Crown champion main evented countless takeovers, uh, so I kind of am going into this with a different mindset, even though I still will always have that underdog mentality of having a chip on my shoulder of having that mindset of okay, you told me I was never supposed to be here, but I am here and I'm going to show you what I got. Um, because there were a lot of people that believed in me. A lot of people in the crowd believe in me. A lot of people trust in me. And I want to repay that trust, not just to the head, the, the office of NXT, to the people that believe in me, but the people in the crowd. They pay hard-earned money to come to these takeovers. They tune into these takeovers to see a special product. And that's what it's all about. It's all about NXT. It's all about how special NXT is. And it's up to me to carry that flag. And it's up to me to keep that tradition of hardworking, great professional wrestling, keep it at the forefront and uh, to put my best work forward. And I will continue to do that this Saturday with uh, hopefully another Johnny takeover classic. 
Well, speaking of this Saturday, you made the transition for me. I was going to ask you, Candice really gets her, her biggest moment, at least in my opinion, in NXT to shine in this match with Io Shirai. And obviously we don't have the opportunity to speak with her right now, but how excited is she for this match? And honestly, how, I mean, you want to talk about being proud of your wife. Of course, I'm sure you are, but how proud are you of the work that she has done in this rivalry thus far? And let's be honest as well, taking a, a big splash off the top of a cage that's uh that's pretty crazy too yeah she's freaking nuts man yeah. like i like i, I can't <laughs> like she climbed as she climbed up that cage so fast and jumped off it so fast it was nuts so beautiful uh yeah man like i'm so pumped for her i'm at the performance center right now and she's downstairs putting in work right now getting ready to take over uh and you know just to see how excited she is and like she is really nervous she's got a little nerves going on because again this is her first takeover She's wrestled a lot of big matches. She's been doing this a very long time, but takeover is a different stage. Uh, so she's feeling it, but it, it's good nerves. Because I remember my first takeover, and I was super nervous as well because it's it's just a different different ball game. Uh, but, yeah, her and EO are absolutely going to crush it. Um, like, I'm so excited for her to get this opportunity. It's been a long time coming. Um, and I think we can all agree I'm super pumped that she's able to – she's going to be able to finally show the world what Candice LeRae is all about. Yeah. Like I said, like I'm super proud of her as my wife, but she's not just my wife. She definitely is not just my wife. She's one of the best wrestlers in the world. And I can't wait for her to show that this Saturday. And I guess the takeovers in itself, I believe every match on the card is essentially a main event. But Candice and EO is going to be a, a huge sleeper that could potentially seal the whole show. I guarantee you that. Hey, Johnny, you had a uh, quick cup of coffee call-up to the big league, so to speak, uh, Raw and SmackDown ahead of WrestleMania. Obviously, Ciampa's injury happened in the midst of that. When you look back on that, how do you sort of frame what that meant to you, what it was like, uh, you know, where that sort of fits in, in the Johnny timeline? Yeah, I mean, it's you ask anyone. Everyone's dream when they get into wrestling is to be on Raw and SmackDown. That is, there's no doubt about it. Um, my dream and my dream will always be to wrestle WrestleMania to main event WrestleMania as every kid's little dream as every little kid's dream is to main event WrestleMania to be on Raw and SmackDown um, and to get that opportunity to do that for a bit. It was super cool. And it was something I look back on fondly, but the, 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 the deal is basically dreams can change. Goals can change. Um, and for me, I think it's really important that I carry the flag of NXT I I love NXT, and that's not just like a a company answer. That's not just me saying what I'm supposed to say because I'm here. It's the truth. I pour my heart and soul into NXT, and I absolutely love it. I love everything about it. I love the Performance Center. I love the locker room we have. I love the office. I love everything. Um, so at the end of the day, I want to do what I can. I want to be where I want to be. I want to do what I can to help carry NXT to that next level, to get it where it should be, and do what I can to keep keep the growth going. I don't want NXT to get stagnant, and I, it never will. Even like as again, I'm very very assured of the fact that even if I wasn't here, NXT would keep growing. But I want to be a part of it, you know, because I love this place and I want to be with it. And I want to help it grow the best of my ability, whether it's opening match, whether it's mopping the floors, and <laughs> whether it's cleaning the restrooms. I want to help NXT get where it needs to be. If NXT ended up on 
regular TV. I mean, SmackDown's going to Fox this fall. This could really change the game in terms of bringing in new audiences. Sometimes you hear rumors, could NXT ever come off the network and go on regular or cable TV? What do you think about that? That potential? Man, I've heard all the, I've heard all the rumblings. I've heard all the rumors. Uh, it's a very exciting time in the wrestling business. I think that is the, the cool thing about all this is anything can happen. You could tell me something absolutely ridiculous, something that I would have thought was ridiculous a year ago. You could tell me it happened. I'd believe it now because anything can happen. And if that were to happen, I think it'd be amazing. I think we'd be able to do some great things. And like I said, I'm truly excited for the future. And I think every wrestling fan, no matter who you support, because I think that's a very weird narrative going on right now where people feel they need to be loyal to this camp or loyal to that camp or loyal to this. Guys, just watch what you want to watch. Like what you want to like and have it be okay. You know, I mean, I like I like a certain flavor of ice cream. If you don't like that certain flavor of ice cream, you don't have to tell me why I suck or why I shouldn't like that ice cream. Like, It's my opinion. Wrestling is very opinion-based. Everyone can like a different thing, and that's totally fine. Support whoever you want to support. Like whoever you want to like. There's a lot of talented guys, and there's a lot of talented women out there who are doing their thing and making a living off this. So just support them. Have fun. And that's, that's, really, that's really the most important thing, right? Have fun. Enjoy what you watch. Have fun. Like, wrestling's supposed to be fun. Wrestling's in an incredibly cool time for everyone right now. Just enjoy it. Don't overthink it. And again, just first of all, don't be mean on the internet. That's, that should be a rule for everyone. I think. <laughs> everyone be nice to everyone on the internet. And we'd be a much happier place. Yeah. Just everyone be cool. Wrestling's fun. Everyone be happy. And everyone get along. And it's just a cool place. I think there's a veiled shot in there somewhere to Adam Cole. If you don't like Gargano's pizza, don't buy it. Don't go on Yelp. <laughs> yeah, just 100%. keep your mouth shut. That's going to be my 100% build-up or takeover. All right. I want to be clo- nice on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we want to close with this because the potential on Saturday night, Toronto, NXT TakeOver, 7 p.m. Eastern, WWE Network. The, the potential for this trilogy match is through the roof. We love this story. We love the arc. We love the three, the three uh, match set here. When it comes, though, to making a great match, to the art form of it, I, I'm interested in your process. I'm interested in your thoughts. Uh, you know, there, there's different ways to get there. You can have a match that's just great because of the emotions. Think, think Cody Rhodes and Dustin. You can have a match where there's flips through the air into the crowd. For Johnny Gargano, what makes a perfect match? What goes into putting it together? Uh, so I'm very big on moments, but it also, I think every match needs to be different. I think me and Andrade, if we're using just different matches that have been praised in my takeover timeline, me and Andrade was universally praised for the athleticism and just the, I think mean, that was what that match was. It was built on the story, but also the athleticism. You got to have it, uh, it always, every match always just have a story in some way, shape or form. But I think that one was very much so based on the athleticism. Uh, me and Tommaso was very much story-based and built on emotion. Um, and then me and Adam Cole have kind of been a mix and a blend of both. It's been action, but it's also been emotion. Um, for me, uh, and this is just, how I view wrestling. And I think, uh, I think you kind of need to throw the playbook out the window. Uh, I believe a good wrestling match is like watching a movie. And when, when you have matches, it's not about just doing this move or that move, or this happens for this reason, or this happens for that reason. I think it's about making a movie. 
Um, it's about putting certain beats in there, having certain moments, doing things in that vein that evoke certain emotions. Um, I'm a big fan of Marvel. Everyone knows that. And, uh, you know, I kind of, I just, I like to make movies that take over. And I think we'll make a pretty good movie this Saturday. If I guess the the Marvel character for TakeOver's attire, are you going to tell me yes or no? Uh, probably not, but I will, I will, you, know, you can have a guess if you'd like. No, I'll save it. Maybe we'll do it on our show after we uh, discuss this interview, but I think I have an idea where you're going. I'll probably be wrong because uh, uh, you seem to I will, I'll, I'll, I'll drop one hint that you don't have to touch on or anything. Okay. I mean, the show is in Canada, so I mean, the show is in Canada, so it feels like there should be some sort of some tie in there. Link there. Yeah, you think. Interesting you think so. stuff from the great Johnny Gargano. Uh wow, Mamma Mia, I know more is gonna have the soundtrack ready of Johnny Cargo's Gargano's career to add another one liner, <laughs> another great one on the end. We can't wait for Cole Gargano three, best of three falls, seven PM Eastern WWE Network on Saturday. Johnny, thank you for being so great, man. Cool man. Thanks for having me guys. Wow. Wow. SK, um, did these two interviews get you fired the hell up to what it, what's potentially going to happen Saturday night to what goes into making matches like that happen to the mindset of both? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. It, uh, fuel spot activated for Cole and then reactivated for Gargano. Uh, man, I just can't wait. Like, despite me saying even a couple weeks ago, like, Look, it's been three straight, and it would have been nice if there was a break between them, just like there was with the Gargano Champa feud. There was a natural break. They had Dream uh, go after the title, and obviously Champa beat him. They had Gargano, I think, uh, they had the NA title for a while, and so on. They eventually got back together for that, you know, final champ. What was supposed to be their final championship match that did not happen. Um, I kind of wish there was a break here, just to give it a little bit more breathing time. But then listening to those two interviews. And watching the go-home show on NXT television, I just want it all. I want it right now. Uh, Gargano, it's strange. He's too humble, I think. I've never experienced that before. There's, We've talked to plenty of wrestlers who are humble. And I've spoken to other athletes who are humble. I've never spoken to someone who is so humble that it's – Almost ridiculous. Yeah, like, it's, it's almost like wake he, up here, dude. Come on. Any presence of mind on how good he is. You you can say, hey, look, I'm really good. People really like me. But to me, it's just I'm just it's my job. Right. But he's almost like I think I suck. Well, it's obviously Candace is in his ear, keeping him humble, as he mentions, as any great wife would do. Just completely take the air out of your balloon constantly to make you work harder. Um, but uh yeah, it, it's almost like a shield. I think it's like this, like he knows what it does to him. It takes the nerves off. It takes the pressure off. And it keeps him always working hard. And it's, and it, it whatever it is, whatever that, that, that veneer is, it, it, it's, it's working. Stay behind it. Stay behind that shield. Stay in that, in that mindset. Um, what a great interview. The only thing I didn't get to ask him, Adam, that I would have liked to was how much of a role Tommaso Ciampa's injuries and by the way to hear him give the full timeline that we forgot about how many other people got chances including Andrade to have takeover main event matches against Johnny because of various Tommaso injuries and could you argue Adam that if Andrade didn't have that that match of the year five star in Philly against Gargano would he been called up so quick I don't know like you just never know um that's how great Gargano has been with everybody but to talk about 
and ask him, because of the injuries to Tommaso, we kind of thought this would be a three-act play. It became four. Then we thought we were going to get to five. Okay, but it's going to end with Johnny finally winning against the heel and all that. Well, we didn't get that. So I wonder now if they're looking at this as like, this is what they do. They're going to be frenemies like for the rest of their time in NXT. And there's really no limit or telling how many more chapters to this feud we're going to have. Because two things I pulled from this interview, and I'll, of course a lot of it is me wishing, but one, you've got to love Johnny Gargano saying, I don't want to go to high school, Billy. I had a taste of that coffee up there on the main roster. This is all I ever needed. I love the PC life. I love this collegiate feel. And two, yeah, yeah, BC. I heard them rumors about TV. Of course I'd be fired the hell up. Of course I want to be wrestling on FS1. Of course I want people inside my own company to realize that what we're doing here in the smaller scale is the best thing going. I mean, Adam, this this is so much an equivalent, what they're doing at NXT with Johnny Gargano as the head of it, to years past, not anymore, years past when college basketball was boss. When the Big East was the Big East. And college basketball, people loved it so much. People hated the NBA and loved college basketball. Remember the, the I guess you could say post-Jordan, that was the feel. Late 90s, early 2000s for a while. NBA was dominated by uh, before they changed the rules by defenses, by the, 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 the grinding of the post-up pick-and-roll game. And people yeah. were like, well, man, it's college. It's where it's at. Johnny Gargano is one of those college players who, who's not going to be the same in the pros. Doesn't Weird. have the size. But in that realm of college is brilliant. And he knows that he is. And he knows this is his bread and butter. And he can have it all if they go to FS1. And this Tommaso Ciampa story doesn't feel like it has to end. In reality, Adam, this could only be the beginning. Do you want me to give you a scenario on how this match could end, on how this could work, on how our field spots can be blown through? All right, let's say Johnny Gargano loses this, okay? Because <laughs> he should. Cole should win this. We should have the Undisputed Era signing off as your champions. How they do that, that's on them. Can't wait to find out. But then Johnny and Tommaso are friends again, right? Because Champa's a babyface rehabbing. So we're back. They help each other train back. It's basically Rocky Three. It's simple. Half shirts on the beach, brother. Tommaso comes back. And he's like, Johnny, I got this for you. He goes out and he beats Adam Cole. Gets that title back. And then diabolically turns heel again. I'm not blowing you away because it's simple brilliance. And then we're back at it because we still haven't had Johnny climb that mountain against Tommaso. Had it against Cole and it was great. But you can't go back to that. Johnny can't win this Saturday in Toronto. Because when he wins, it needs to be protected and cherished and loved. And he needs to go through more turmoil. This is a movie. Like he said, when Johnny Gargano plans a great match, it's like planning a movie. That movie will involve Tommaso Ciampa. These two aren't going anywhere, Adam. Yeah, I'm in agreement that I don't think they're going to end up leaving. I don't agree with how the show is going to end. I do think Johnny Gargano is going to come out with the NXT Championship. Now, Despite me kind of giving the prelude earlier in the show that, hey, NXT's been, uh, not NXT, the Undisputed Era has been guaranteeing they're going to leave TakeOver with all the gold draped in gold. And oftentimes when heels guarantee that, think about Evolution back in WWE, that happens. They all had the titles at the same time. They held them for a decent period of time. 
So I could see that happening, 100%. The other thing I could see happening is the rest of Undisputed Era winning the titles and Adam Cole losing, which would create a rift or a dynamic inside Undisputed Era that must get settled one way or the other. So I would be curious to see how that transpires. Let's not forget, at the end of the last takeover, Cole's beckoning for them to help him. They don't come out. Cole ends up winning anyway, despite them. This time, he could be the loser. And what if, because we do know this is going to three falls, we should mention, we haven't yet, this is the best two out of three falls match. One fall was chosen by Adam Cole, straight wrestling match, because that's how he beat Johnny Gargano. Second fall was chosen by Gargano, street fight. And if it gets to a third, which it certainly will, considering that's the stipulation, general manager William Regal will choose the stipulation. So the question is, what's that third stipulation going to be? And could they make it something that favors Gargano? For example, BC, could they choose an I quit match where Cole does not have to get pinned, but gets locked in that Gargano escape and has to tap out and, and quit out of pain? And his team looks at him as not only did he lose, he quit. Right? There's other options. It don't, could be a don't wedge. It don't, could be a ladder match. It could be a last man standing. It could be all these other things. How dare but ultimately, you? what I see, Johnny Gargano winning the third fall, taking back the NXT championship, and holding it, maybe going up against a heel Velveteen Dream, a heel Matt Riddle. These guys can turn on a dime. I think it's Johnny's time to win the title. I just don't see where that makes sense because – these guys have stumbled into this historic trilogy here where it's a it's it's historic because I'm saying it is. I mean, it's not like people are around the world saying, you know, but it's historic because they have a chance to do like three five star matches in a row. So it's, it's going to be on, on the tablet of our hearts of greatest series we have seen. But it's 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 not Champa. So it just doesn't seem to make sense for Johnny to come over the mountaintop one more time. And if you're going to send the Undisputed Era to the main roster at a key time in October, then you'd want them to be whole, right? Yep. So don't wedge them apart yet. Give me the, the, the New Day triple threat match. Yes, don't wedge these guys apart yet. I just don't see how how they're going to make it make sense with Johnny. I'd almost rather we see something where that third stipulation maybe is some kind of I quit or something like that, and we get Tommaso Ciampa out there with the crutches, and we get something. That well, let's not forget the, the reason why they're having Regal pick the third stipulation is they're saying this, like, Look, we know it doesn't. it's not always true when they do this in WWE. They're saying this is the last match between these guys. They're saying it's ending here. That's the whole point of Regal having that role and, and them repeating the two out of three falls and, and having these stipulations involved in it. It's so that this can end it. So if you're going to end it, you're telling me that you probably need Gargano to come out on top because if not, you have this guy that couldn't beat Champa, couldn't beat Cole, and he's your top babyface on NXT – a couple months out, maybe from going on FS1. I think you want him with the title going into FS1. No, because you want him winning the title eh. on FS1. You want, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, what, that's you have, not if you have Kofi winning it back from Wharton, like I predicted yesterday. I mean, you, you want him winning the title at, at NXT TakeOver WrestleMania. So maybe in the, when, what, what do we know about Tommaso Ciampa? When's he coming back? What do we know? Do you know? Uh, he's, his recovery has been great, but I think it's still six to nine months. Um, where he's out. It's his neck. I mean, six to nine months more from now. More. Yeah. All right. It's interesting. I mean, maybe Gargano takes a step back. back. He will not be back at WrestleMania. I'd be very surprised. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, what's your star prediction here? What can they realistically do with this? 
Well, I think the over under is five on betting markets. Like legit. I think it's actually been set at five. It's going to go over. Um, I don't know. Five and a half. Five and a quarter. It's you're you're splitting hairs. I love 15. that we're haphazardly. The only time this has really ever happened are are really high level Omega matches, whether it was the fourth Okada or the, you know, before the Tanahashi match or whatever, where we're legitimately going. You know what? Yeah, I, I think it'll go to five and three quarters. Like where it's like you know, like anything else is going to be a, a <laughs> Okada dumping. Omega. We were like, hey, so it has to eclipse the rest of them, right? So yeah, so it doesn't reach ten, so then they've no, so like six and a quarter or something. And I think what you remember the first show coming out of it, I was like, Brian, seven. <laughs> it was that good. I don't see how this can be that. That had so much storytelling and so much history over such a long period of time. This is really a truncated window for this match. Yeah, yeah. They're much better athletes on that side, too. Um, they can come back with a five. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, you're going you're gonna to be talking about this, like we said, with Flair, Steamboat, Cena, Styles, Omega, Okada. Gargano, Champa. I mean, this is crazy because Gargano is, you know, five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. And the fact that he's not even a flippy flopper, he's just, he's not even the most amazing technical wrestler. He's just heart and soul. And he can do a little bit of everything really well. And he just, that key just fits the lock of our hearts in a very Daniel Bryan like way that very few guys, they just do that where it's like, doesn't matter. The other stuff doesn't matter. This guy is great. We get him. He gets us. He's special. He's truly special. Yet again, we just heard him talk. Great interview. Not that special, though. Doesn't believe he's that special. But yet some of the parts, man, there's just something around this guy. Maybe it was the maybe it was the Gargano's pizza that he ate growing up, you know, and I don't know. But I want a taste of it. I want a piece of it. As he said, uh, he was never supposed to be here. This was not supposed to happen for him. Really, Champa too, to, to many respects. It wasn't really supposed to happen. Um, it is interesting that when you talk about NXT right now, the three top main eventers are guys that are all similar height, similar size, and none of those heights or sizes are typical WWE main roster talent, where, where then you have guys like Keith Lee, uh, Matt Riddle, and Velveteen Dream who are all in this mid-card picture. It's so- very, very strange. That that is not something that will really translate to the main roster, which makes you really wonder. Maybe they take this 205 live show that's kind of floundering. Maybe they build that into NXT, which is kind of what I was talking about when they do make that move to 205 live, and they make this a a work rate, higher flying, more exciting, athletic type of show that Fox apparently wants. It would be on FS1. I think that's where we're going here. It has to because you have to have an ending place. For these type of guys, for your Garganos and Champas who just won't work on the main roster unless they are in United States title feuds against other smaller people. And they could yet, be a tag team. They could be a tag team. Right. Roster. And yet they're showing you that they are main eventers. They're main eventers in these arenas for takeovers. So you have to get that. That's 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 one of the biggest reasons I keep pushing this. You got to get them off your network. You got to get them in front of potentially double the audience. So triple the audience if, if they can get that far. I mean, yeah. It's time that they have too much talent under their hood. And if you're going to run Raw SmackDown Vince McMahon style and you're not going to have one show be a hybrid, then, I mean, it's different when it, when somebody's an AJ Styles. When they're, they're short, but they're insanely strong and can do everything. It, it, is, it is different. Even Adam Cole, we still have those same fears. 
So I mean, he gets. Think about it. We're talking about Gargano being a, a you know some of his parts guy. Cole shouldn't be this great. It when just looking at him shouldn't be this great. I mean, he should be six foot three and a half, ripped with the way he talks and acts and wrestles. Yet, what is he? He's like five. Nothing. Eight? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, he's just a regular dude. It's incredible, but that's how wrestling has changed. They haven't built a six feet on Wiki. He, he ain't six feet, I'll tell you that much. Way. Um, can't wait. Shout out to these guys. Thank you, Paul Levesque, for making this thing. Thank you for making NXT. Thank you for making a place in our hearts. Thank you, Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano, for joining us this week. Thank you, listeners out there, for checking us out on the State of Combat. Please go to YouTube right now. Hit up our SummerSlam detailed video preview. SK and myself breaking it all down. Check out our extended SummerSlam preview podcast where we preview the final weekend in G1. We give you a really good Drew McIntyre interview. Adam, do you have anything left to say? Absolutely. Don't forget, Sunday night, early Monday morning, immediately after WWE SummerSlam, instant analysis edition with BC and the Silver King right here on State of Combat. Tell your friends, drop those five-star reviews, and follow us at State of Combat on Twitter. Hey, in addition to the audio, this guy BC, he writes, recaps, grades, feature stories, UFC, boxing, WWE, and professional wrestling. We tweet it all on that account, so be sure to follow us there. BC at Brian Camp, at Camp CBS, and the Silver King at Silverstein Adam. All on Twitter. All winners, no losers. People pay to see winners. They don't pay to see losers. Exactly, Randy. That's it for the show. Interview's over. We out.